Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris, with me as always is Parker and Alex, and we've watched yet another Christmas movie. This one is called Elves, and it stars Dan Faggerty. Ah, shit. Okay, okay. We're going to start. God damn it. Uh, uh, welcome, everyone. One. I'm your new host. <laughs> uh, did you get trained in the dark side of the force here? <laughs> Only a Sith deals in slurs. Okay, so... Um, did you guys like this movie? That's a great question. <laughs> I, uh, we've watched worse movies. Slightly. Yeah. I like the runtime. Yeah, well, the runtime's pretty good. Uh, this isn't the kind of movie you like or dislike. Right, yeah. It's just sort of one you, you have in your collection and you bring it out when people come over. So, um, of course. Th- this movie has been featured on Red Letter Media's, uh, I think it's called Best of the Worst. Um, I, I think, uh, actually, I did see that episode, Parker, and I think you did too. And I don't think they talked about elves as much as we're going to talk about it, so they are smarter men than we. But before we get into that, Parker, do we have any news? I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> don't worry, I got the keys this morning, so soon I'll be back to normal with <laughs> hot movie news. That we're all waiting for. But I spent all day furniture shopping and then came home and watched Elves, and now I'm here. So I have no news for you. Oh, well, that's okay. Uh, that's that's fine. It just means we can get to our Jerks of the Week sooner. Do you guys have any Jerks of the Week? Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. Always. Can you guys I go mean, first? Time? Probably, but uh, I can't <laughs> stop thinking about my hero of the week, the Yoda bot guy. All right, hero of the week. I'm I'm literally, I literally just, just, just pushing everything out of my brain. <laughs> I keep thinking of this fucking dude just going through a bunch of zero reply tweets and responding to Yoda advice. It's the funniest bit I've ever seen in my fucking life. <laughs> well, uh, in a similar vein, my hero of the week is whoever tweeted the fucking video. Of like, oh, fat kids going, oh, wow, we don't have a chimney. There's no way Santa can get through here. And then the video of Morpheus just yelling and punching <laughs> through the wall. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I thought of it nonstop for three days. Just imagine that fat bullshit going, oh, and just punching through the wall and taking that kid to hell. It's so fucking funny. Is that better or worse than Santa's sleigh? Yes. That's, I mean, it's kind of the opening of it. Yeah, that's they're very similar. I'll, I will never forget the first time I wrote that piece for you, and I sent it to you for editing, and you are just like, hey, what do you mean by he exploded through the chimney? You need to describe what happened. And I was like, I think it just did. And then you downloaded it to watch, you're just like, never mind, that stays in. Yeah. It turns out you were right. Uh, it was not hyperbole. Yeah. There was an explosion, and then he was standing where the chimney was. Yeah. 
right, my uh, my hero of the week is myself, uh, because I had a bet going with a good friend of ours on the old Discord, a uh, user by the name of Glitterstorm, who's a fellow Patriots fan, and he said, well, with the injuries to the Patriots wide receivers, I would like to make a friendly gentleman's wager with you. I said, okay, I'm down without even knowing what it is, because it's a movie assignment. And he said, if Christian Wilkerson scores a touchdown, then you have to watch Little Italy. So I'd like to thank Glitterstorm for listening to the podcast. And uh, if he doesn't, then you can assign me a movie of your choice, just as long as it's not gross. And I was like, okay. And uh, I assigned him the Star Wars Holiday Special. So he uh, does not quite know what he watched. And Parker, you're the expert on this movie. He has a question for you. Why was Mm -hmm. the Julia Child scene 15 minutes long? That's funny. <laughs> you know what we love in the 70s? is just scenes being four hours long. And that's fun. We all get it. We all love it. We love Boba Fett. We love Star Wars. We love Wookiees. We love Julia Child's parodies. He also would like to echo a question that Alex has asked many a time on the show. Who is this for? Um, George Lucas's bank account. Yeah, I guess. Me. So. It's for me. <laughs> Hey, do you want, hey can we make some out of your stupid Star Wars? Yeah, whatever, sure. Yeah. Do whatever you want. <laughs> but that's weird, though, because like, the Star Wars Holiday Special is like the only movie he's made that I think he's gone out of his way to like hide. It's like the only movie he's personally ashamed of. Like, how are the duck he's fine with? He'll just allow that to come out on Blu-ray. But the Star Wars Holiday Special, <laughs> he hides, you know? He Man, I just realized that both of those movies have a jacket-off scene. <laughs> <laughs> George Lucas owns. <laughs> well, less content from the Phantom Menace. Right. <laughs> Sebulba using his weird hand feet to jack himself yeah. off before the big race. <laughs> Dude, do you think like the Huts have like? No, you know what? Never mind. I'm not gonna. Yeah, right. Let's let's Quack keep this. Let's, let's... Now. <laughs> Shit. Okay, let's go to the beginning. Okay, so let's talk about what we watched recently. I was assigned a movie. Uh, by Alex, that was directed by Nicholas Wingdings Refn. But I just—I'm dis- oh, so sorry for this. But I decided not to watch it. So instead, okay, never mind. I'm not sorry. <laughs> so instead, I decided to watch. If I'm going to watch a Nicholas Wingding Refn movie, I'm going to have to watch other Nicholas Wingding Refn movies beforehand. Oh, that is a good point. I forgot. Right. About it's, that. I have to you know a whole series. So I, de- I decided I'd watch Bronson. Which uh, he directed. I did not know that he directed Wait, it. He this, did? Yeah, yeah exactly. He sure did. I actually didn't know oh. this one. And it stars Tom Hardy as uh, Charlie Bronson. He calls himself Charles Bronson. He's like, that's a real actor, so I can't do it. Um, <sighs> this movie actually started off pretty good. And everything that everyone says about Tom Hardy in this movie, how he gives a stellar performance, how he put on a lot of muscle for it, that's all true. He's actually really good in this. The problem is, Refn turns out uh, he's not a very good director. Oh, who on this podcast could have possibly known? Uh, it's, Much to consider. See, that's the thing. Is like I really like the concept of this, uh, the most famous criminal in Britain's history, or may- maybe the most famous prisoner in Britain's history. I don't know if you guys know much about this Charlie Bronson guy, but... Uh, the Queen. Yeah, he went to, he went to uh, prison <laughs> for, I guess, uh, robbery for like 35 cents, and uh, beat up a whole lot of people in prison, and then got famous over that. Anyway, the movie is a biopic of him, and it's told in a fairly artistic way, and ordinarily, I like the style of it, initially, I was surprised that I was enjoying it, because it almost feels like Moulin rouge to an extent, and I hate Moulin Rouge, but I was kind of into it, I was like, this is interesting, it kind of feels like maybe this is what Charlie Bronson 
sees in his mind. You know, the baby. This is the way that he tells his story. And I thought, wow, this is pretty interesting. And the movie keeps going and going and going, and the scenes get so slow. Like, I think we are all in agreement that we don't like the Neon Demon, and that's being very kind to the Neon Demon. But has Parker seen that? Yes, I was assigned <laughs> never again. Okay. Oh wait, yeah, just I making sure. Yeah, I, I think I assigned it. So, so. It wasn't me. I wouldn't. I, yeah. I, that, that, that was going too far, yeah. But, like, one of the things I really hated about the Neon Demon is it felt like he was trying to be more artistic than it was. It felt like he's just sort of, like, bouncing around in the background, like, ooh, ask me what it means, ask me what it means, but no one cares what it means. Like, there's a scene where, like, that actress has, like, gold paint, like, splashed on her or something like that. It's like, oh, wow, the visuals, but it's a visual with nothing behind it which is ironically how I feel about Rogue One. But Bronson is kind of the same way. There's yeah. a whole lot of painting scenes in Bronson, and I don't care about them. They're, they don't mean anything to anyone, and they're so slow. And it's not even slow. It's ponderous is what it is. I can take a slow movie, but this movie, it doesn't have any legs. So I actually can't recommend Bronson, which is weird because this is one of his more critically acclaimed movies. Uh, maybe not quite as much as Drive, which is the only movie that he did that I liked. And I think the reason I like Drive is the more I've read about it, the more I realize that the actors sort of took over the production and they did stuff that was like outside the bounds of the script and they kind of influenced the way that it was made. So Nicholas Winding's Reffin, uh, not good at movies. Oh, next one is overrated too. Uh 2009 was a tough year for me. I was very busy. I was uh, between schools, as it were. I was working for the federal government and at a restaurant, so I didn't have a lot of time for movies. So I missed out on perhaps the biggest movie of that year. And it turns out, upon watching it now, I don't like The Hangover. And I'm a little surprised to say that. I really thought as the Chad of this podcast, which doesn't say much, and you know the neurotypical here oh yeah sure you'd like the hangover it's the ultimate bro movie boy what a slap in the face to bros Did, how do you guys feel about the hangover i mean i liked it in 2009 but i'd be lying if i said i've ever seen it since i feel exactly the same way you feel chris yeah i, I have never those movies have never done anything for me yeah and like oh, God, you know me i fucking love stupid gross out comedies like i don't care like i I think, like, it's the only, like, series of movies in that genre that I don't care for. Yeah. So. I think maybe The Hangover, in terms of gross-out, doesn't go far enough. Like, I'm not looking for... You don't have to do Freddy Got Fingered. That's pretty extreme. But, like, The Hangover is just... It, it kind of feels like this is what people who don't have any fun at all in their lives think is cool. It's like, oh, yeah, we got to hang out with Mike Tyson. Yeah, so... It, it doesn't really seem that cool to me. There are so many scenes that... It almost feels like it's poorly edited in a way, which is a shame because I know Todd Phillips is a pretty good director, but this doesn't... I An apolitical, too. Yes. Well, this <laughs> doesn't have any politics. If this is... Well, someone who did not have any fun in their lives in 2009, and also now, yeah. correct? <laughs> it, it just doesn't... Correct. It doesn't look that interesting to me for much of it, and which is a shame because I know a lot of these uh, actors are really good performers. I think Zach Galifianakis is really funny. I've watched his stand-up. That guy's very talented. And in here... He doesn't really have much. What you don't if you don't like Zach Galifianakis, I think that's fair. I, it's not a dislike. I, I've never gotten it, I, and maybe I just haven't seen the right stuff. I mean, there are definitely like holes in you know my consumption of media. Like I, as I've said before in this podcast, like I don't get the Michael Fassbender thing at all. Yeah. But also, I probably haven't seen any good movie he's ever done. Mm -hmm. oh, and, I think and, like, I'm the I same kind of feel the same way about about Zach Galifianakis. Like. 
I, I just every time I see him in something, it's like, oh fuck, this guy. Well, see, that's the thing is, I when you're seeing him in something, you're seeing him in movies, right? This is the first Zach Galifianakis movie I think I've seen, and I the other stuff has just been like stand-up specials or like quick one-off YouTube videos or something like that. And what I like about him is that he'll tell a joke that I haven't heard in a way that I haven't heard, and that newness is something that I really like because you're not just doing something that everyone else does in a funnier way, which most comedians do. And here, he's just doing what other comedians would do. He's the nerdy man-child kind of guy. It doesn't do anything for me. Uh, who else is in this? Ed Helms is in this. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I liked him more that's on a, The Office. That's a point against your movie. If it yeah. Has yeah. Ed Helms in the leading role. Yeah. Oh my god, there's three of these. That's what yeah, I mean. exactly. I mean, I've seen them all, is what I said. <laughs> yeah. It is incredibly funny to me that it took, like, a fucking decade for me to learn that him and Will Arnett are different people. Despite one of them being funny and the other one being Ed Helms, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Ed Helms thing, I, I don't get it. When was I, it? Must have been The Office, right? Like he's on The Office, and everyone's just like, "Yeah, we can put him in movies; it'll be okay." Well, yeah, Krasinski's not available to do comedies anymore, so right, yeah, he's he's busy. <laughs> he's busy setting up real governments in Nicaragua. So <laughs> uh, also apolitical. Yes. Uh, who else is in this? Bradley Cooper is in this. He is attempting to be funny. He is not. I, I, yeah, I remember <laughs> even then it's like okay I guess he's the cool guy in the group so this I don't, this might sound I'm not watching a movie to watch a cool guy hang out in Vegas with his loser friends yeah this is like every is like every fucking idiot at a bar's impression of one of the guys from Entourage is Bradley Cooper in this movie right yeah <laughs> yeah I know he's actually right you know that's the thing it's like I went to the uh, Wikipedia or the letterbox for this and other people's reviews are. I have to admit, 95% of them are Bradley Cooper's so hot in this movie, and the other 5% are, yeah, it uh, turns out it's kind of overrated. A lot of people are talking about how problematic it is, and there's like one oh. line that I guess is that way. I think it's kind of, I'm not saying this movie's misandrist. I don't know if misandry is even like a real thing, but like, it's kind of shitty to say like, yeah, this is what guys like. This is such a bros week, and I was like... This looks miserable. I wouldn't want to do this. This doesn't look like fun at all. And it kind of leads into another movie that I have not watched yet, which this might be a little surprising too. I haven't actually seen Bridesmaids yet, but I remember that Bridesmaids was marketed as, oh, this is the female hangover. And I hope it's better than this. Uh, have you guys it watched is. Bridesmaids yet? It you know is, yes. You know what Bridesmaids is? What? Like two fucking hours for some reason. Yeah, that's inexcusable. But, but yeah, it's, it's definitely well, better. I've watched that way more recently. Yeah. Well, the, also, I just love and respect women in comedy. Also, we yeah, we all do, except for me. So. Hey, uh, hey, 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 Chris, how'd you feel when uh, when my boy Ken Jong showed up? Oh, dude, that was—I mean, that's of all the Ken Jong roles I've seen him in, and I've seen far too many. This is probably his worst. Like he's doing the fake Asian accent and everything. He sounds like Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, it's funny because this is the role that made his career. It sure is. You know what was depressing about this? I read some of the behind the uh, behind the scenes stuff. Apparently, his wife was really sick. I think his wife had cancer or something like that. So Bradley Cooper was really nice and was like driving him to the hospital and like had the family stay at his apartment or house or something like that. And I'm like, wow, that's actually a really touching, heartwarming story. And it was all in service of the scene where he jumps out of the trunk naked and runs into the distance and does uh, a really fucking offensive accent for a guy who's actually Asian. <laughs> you know, that's actually the other thing about Ken Jong is that, I can't believe I'm talking about this movie as long as I am, uh, but like, <laughs> Ken Jong, I don't have much to say. It's not a very interesting movie, surprisingly enough. Time but, to like, assign him the third one. Like, watch the second one, too. So, like, I... 
Technically, I think I've seen that because uh, when I was working the theater. And anyway, uh, Ken Jong. Nope. I, I actually like the the show Community a lot. I think that's a really good show, but I didn't really like Ken Jong on. I didn't really understand the appeal of him. Uh, and apparently, he just catapulted that into like a whole range of movie roles. Uh, was he? I'll he, say. Was he in the Nut Job? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he must. Uh, uh, he was. He was in a movie called <laughs> Furry Vengeance. No, that I that's watched. the same thing. So anyway, uh, anyway, like. <laughs> I've never found Ken Jong funny. Not just in like, oh, he's not good in this movie role, fine, whatever. Like, I've seen, not just his stand-up, but like, podcast episodes, like, interviews, stuff like that. He doesn't seem like a funny person. He seems like kind of tough to deal with, you know? So, uh, kind of like a Michael Rappaport, but Asian. So, <laughs> not my favorite actor. Man, that's fight offensive to it. Michael Rappaport. Fight I... it, Parker. Fight it. <laughs> fight just do it. Just do it. Parker, do just the do voice. It. Do the voice. Do I want to hear it. Uh. <laughs> Can we stop recording for a second? <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, so much for the hangover. Uh, anyway, Parker decided to assign me a whole list of vampire movies. So my hey. week sucked. Got him. So See you next week. I decided, <laughs> I knew, I looked at these movies, there, and uh, I'll tell you this, I don't trust Rotten Tomatoes scores, because the percentage doesn't really mean anything, because, like, a positive review could be, like, a 51%, and a negative review could be, like, a 49%, and it's, like, there's too much nuance in there. But all these movies had, like, a 12% at most on Rotten Tomatoes, so I was like, oh, no. I decided I'm going to treat myself, I'm going to watch a good vampire movie that I've never seen before I watch any of these. And I lucked out because I actually did watch a very good one. This is called Thirst. It is a Korean movie. It's by my favorite working director right now, Park Chan-wook. Have, have either of you guys seen Thirst yet? Somehow, no. That sounds like something I downloaded and then just never got to. Yeah, uh, this one is on the list, so Parker, it's in your future anyway. And Alex, I think this would actually be worth your time. Park Chan-wook makes his Korean movies so much more distinct from other Korean movies. I think there might be a bit of a Western influence. I and it, I don't exactly know how to describe it. I think it's how expressive the characters are. In particular, his female characters are so much more expressive than uh, other Korean actresses in other movies. Especially ones by Bong Joon-ho. His Korean actresses aren't quite as expressive as the ones in Park Chan-wook's movies. And I don't know that I can like actually plot that on a, as a data point on a graph or anything, but it's just the impression that I get. Anyway, Thirst is about a priest in South Korea who... He feels like he's not doing enough good in the world. I think his father wanted him to become a doctor, but he became a priest instead. So he decides to undergo a voluntary uh, medical procedure. It's an experiment to try to wipe out this one disease. He gets an injection, and he dies, and immediately comes back from the dead. And they're like, oh, I guess it worked. And he's released from the hospital, and people are looking at him as a sort of a messiah figure because he's the one out of 500 patients, or 50, the subtitles were not consistent, uh, who uh, survived this uh, experimental disease thing. So they think maybe he could be like some sort of faith healer and stuff like that. And anyway, he uh, takes up with a family friend of his from when he grew up in Busan, and there's a lot of characters here that are very interesting and well-defined. I almost feel like I shouldn't give too much away. Uh, he ends up hooking up with uh, one of the uh, women in the family, and uh, those are very well-filmed scenes, I'll tell you that much. And she's actually a really spectacular actress. She's just so much fun to watch, and she's not a good person by any stretch of the imagination, but it's interesting to watch 
how she feels and how she thinks and what she does, you know? It's actually kind of a mystery. This almost feels like a ripoff of a, a different book. I don't remember what the name of the book was, but uh, it, it has so many similarities. I'm like, huh, I wonder what they're trying to do here. Uh, anyway, it turns out that he's becoming more and more vampiric as time goes on. Allergic to sunlight, um, has a thirst for blood, can uh, jump really high. Uh, so it's, it's becoming more and more of a vampire movie. And we've talked about long movies versus short movies on here. This movie is two and a quarter hours. And it earns every single minute of it. Every single time something was happening, I was just so laser-focused on screen. It was... I was really surprised by how good it ended up being. And the, one of my favorite parts about it is there's no one genre that it belongs to. It's really more of a thriller than a horror. But it's also a romance. It's a comedy. It's uh, There's a bit of a drama and a mystery to it as well. So... I, I really liked it. It's not, by any stretch of the imagination, my favorite Park Chan-wook movie. In fact, it's technically my least favorite, but I love all his movies. So I, I would actually recommend Thirst uh, very, very heavily. Uh, if you don't like Thirst, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Oh boy. Well, might as well get to the other... <laughs> <laughs> might as well get to the other vampire movies. Alex, my friend, have you ever Hello. seen Vampire in Brooklyn? I have not seen Vampire in Brooklyn. Parker put it on the list. We are. This is a future episode. There is no doubt in my mind. Vampire in Brooklyn is a future episode. Uh, Vampire in Brooklyn was released in 1995. Uh, not what I would have guessed. <laughs> would you like to guess the the lead actor in this movie? I feel like I should know, but no, I'm not going to guess. You gotta tell me. It's Eddie Murphy. Uh, Oh, that movie! Yeah, oh, okay. dude. Yeah, okay. Never mind. Never mind. We're on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Now you're figuring out exactly what kind of movie this is. Uh, now, yeah, now that movie. you know that it's directed, uh, now that uh, the lead actor is uh, Eddie Murphy. Also, he was a lead writer, and uh, Charlie Murphy helped him write the script, uh, which is kind of interesting. They wouldn't team up again as a writing duo until Norbit. So oh. this was. Uh, <laughs> Believe it or not, you know. <laughs> so believe it or not, this movie was directed by Wes Craven, and right off the bat, you kind of think to yourself, "Really, Wes Craven? Why is he directing this? Like, like wouldn't you get like a black director?" Uh, but here's the thing: Wes Craven has done black movies before. I was gonna say Wes one thousand percent has the past. Yeah, exactly. He <laughs> he can say it. He's like I after I saw like the people under the stairs, and especially the serpent and the rainbow, I was like damn brother wesley's down with the cause so of course he can of course keep he, that in keep that in i'm absolutely keeping that that's that should go in the open yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, the recording that plays before yeah. every episode but like, it's, but it's coming after it's like really, it really, it's coming after alex's introduction and alex <laughs> i'm very fine with that being attributed to me to confuse the listeners yeah, i'm your host hotep chris <laughs> with me as always anyway yeah so i i do think Wes Craven had not has because he's dead clout with the black community I, I genuinely like he, he did enough movies that were like they resonated with a black audience uh, they some of those movies that I mentioned Serpent of the Rainbow uh, People Under Series those are considered you know some of the great uh, black movies at least of the late 80s early 90s so why couldn't he make Vampire in Brooklyn well, uh, what it comes down to is uh, there was a bit of a miscommunication between Eddie Murphy and Wes Craven. One of them wanted it one way, one of them wanted the other. 
Here's the thing. My research has not led me to a conclusion on which one of them thought this should be a comedy. It's about a black vampire in Brooklyn. That's not a Blackula remake. And the other one thought this should be a serious movie with more scares and like gross makeup and everything like that. It's Charlie Murphy said one thing. Wes Craven said another thing. It, no one seems to have a firm grasp on what movie this was supposed to be. And boy, you can see it on screen because... The movie doesn't really have a consistent tone. Sometimes it'll be goofy comedy. I'll get to the comedy segments in a second because holy shit. And other times you'll be like, "Wow, they're really going for the for the horror aspect here with the with the vampire makeup and everything." And part of it is Eddie Murphy, who doesn't have a lot of room to be funny here. I also don't think he wants to be because he when he's as a vampire. He is so serious. He is, but more than that, he's so charismatic. He is so charming. That's the thing about Eddie Murphy is he's not just a great comedian. He's also just a pretty good actor. Like you watch him in this, and if I had never seen him in any movie before, I had never heard of Eddie Murphy, and I didn't know who it was, I'd say, "Damn, I want to see this guy in more movies. This guy's really good at acting," and that's genuinely how I feel about him in this. And then, uh, Parker, you've seen this before, right? Many, many years ago. Okay, so, well, for, I had somehow forgotten so what I, you were about to mention. I think he, at one point he dresses because you know Eddie Murphy likes to play dress up as much as Justin Trudeau does. He is <laughs> <laughs> accurate. He, I believe that's him dressing up as one of the local priests, and I guess they're having like a midnight mass or something like that. And he just riffs, baby, and he keeps going. And I'm like, what on earth are you doing? This doesn't even make any sense. It's embarrassing. And it is, like, again, the total consistency is way off. Now, about the humor. Now, as I said, Wes Craven, down with the cause, but there are certain things that, like, when I said, like, yeah, Wes Craven can say it, not all of this stuff, man. Like, some of this stuff, if you wrote this on a script, you handed it to a black actor and said, yeah, just say these lines, they would give you a look. And then a punch. Wes, I want to address this issue. Yeah, exactly. Like, some, <laughs> like, seriously, dude, some of this stuff is like... Okay, so cast your mind back when Sarah Palin said that Obama was shucking and jiving. I would never use that term because it's in a racial context. However, the Renfield of this movie is skeeting and bopping so hard that he's getting close to shucking and jiving. Alright? It is a lot. He's also one of my favorite parts of the movie, so I don't know what that says about me. Because uh, he's the only one who seems like he's having fun to be in a Hollywood movie. Like, Angela Bassett's in this movie. And she looks fantastic, by the way. And she does a really good job. She's an interesting character. But sometimes it almost feels like she's, like falling into black stereotypes and it feels like that's the way the script is written because i know that people don't talk like this all the time the, a lot of the a lot of this is very stereotypical to the extent that like as i'm watching this i can't look away because you keep seeing how things are going wrong and why things are going wrong and how often things are going wrong but i'm kind of loving it it's kind of just fascinating as a as a movie artifact i some of it's interesting. Some of the jokes are actually kind of funny. Some of the, the story is interesting enough, I guess. It's uh, kind of like coming to America, but with vampires. And uh, <laughs> there is a scene. I sent the scene to Parker as a text message. Alex, I'm going to send this one to you as a text message because I, I don't right. know that I can... Uh, that I can describe this sufficiently with my words. Parker, I think you'd agree you're gonna, with this. You're going to have to, gamer. Well, 
I know, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have Alex watch the scene. Alex, let me know once you've watched this. Scene. Oh, you're sending me a link to the scene. Okay, I'm sending you a video that I recorded off my phone on the TV. Oh, even better. Yeah, that wasn't meant to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> so, Alex, it's like the sound that Harold made. <laughs> Man, so for those of you at home who just had to listen to that, uh, the way that it goes is there's a dog, and there's like a murder investigation, I guess, and Charlie Murphy gives it the evil eye, and the dog launches out of the air, alright? It doesn't even like explode up or anything, it just goes, like fucking one of the NASA experiments here, goes 50 (laughs) fucking feet in the air, splashes down into the water. And, uh, I didn't realize there were that many babies in the Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, uh, I'll tell you this much. Vampire in Brooklyn, everyone hates this movie except for me, I guess. I, I actually think this movie's pretty good. Is it a great black movie? No. But is it a good vampire movie? I'd say yeah, because most of them are really bad. Such as the next one that Parker assigned me. Uh, a movie that I don't think he's watched, but he's probably familiar with it just because of everything about the movie. Everything about the movie is very interesting, or at least funny. This is called Ankle Biters. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, would you like to guess what this one is about? <laughs> uh, is it about our friend Cam? <laughs> yes, yeah, so this movie is a fact about midget vampires. <laughs> So, you may be wondering, what's the plot of this film? Well, well, it's uh, it's actually quite interesting. It's uh, the idea here is that we, you've got these midget vampires in might as well be Brooklyn, and they're looking around for actually no, there's too much, there's too many trees. I don't know where it is. Uh, they are looking around for a sword. And the sword was uh, the relic of the last tall vampire. When I say tall vampire, I mean... Regular size vampire. I mean six feet yeah. tall, so yeah, regular size. <laughs> <laughs> and once they get... Once the uh, midget vampires get the uh, the sword of the tall vampire, they can use it to turn any normal-sized human being, six feet tall human being, into a shack-sized vampire. Thank God, I don't have to worry about this happening. Yeah, so, <laughs> this is... <laughs> anyway, this movie is a, a Z movie. Like, we talked about B movies before, but a Z movie is one of those movies where you look B at movie. it. No, no, no. Z movie is a different thing. It's one of those things where you can look at it and you're like, oh, this was made for approximately $7.50. Like, this is like... Value. Barely. Well, that's the thing is you gotta get something out of it. And I think I got more out of this than any other person has ever got out of it. Apparently this was on a Red Letter Media thing, but I haven't watched that one. I just, you know, watched it myself. I I don't know. I saw another thing. But a lot of people really hate it. And the thing is, like, it's a funny concept. You know, it's really stupid. Uh, But it's 90 minutes. and it No, it's I mean, it's 80 minutes. Sorry. 80 minutes. But even those 80 minutes, you're, you're like... This is still going. Are you see how much more of this can you possibly do? Because there's no special effects and there's there's nothing interesting and just visually it just looks awful. The audio is so bad that it even if I had subtitles and there are no subtitles for ankle biters, you still wouldn't be able to understand what anyone is saying here. 
uh, that being said, I think I kind of had a good time because I was just so shocked at what I was seeing. Uh, now, there is a, a theme song to this movie. Uh, it is a, a generic heavy metal riff. Parker, if you have the guitar nearby, you can go ahead and just... Any chord you want, any power chord, it doesn't matter. Uh, it goes like this. Three feet tall, two-inch fangs! Three feet tall, two-inch fangs! Three feet tall, two-inch fangs! <laughs> and they just repeat it 54 times for the end credits, which go on much further than I recall. Uh, the uh, In fact, the end credits have one of those little joke credits at the very end of it. It says, uh, any work is producers, you know, obviously coincidental, or whatever, stuff like that. The final line is, no animals were harmed on set, but many actors were. And I thought about all the different scenes of midgets flying around and being thrown into barcels. I was just like, yeah, I can believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Ankle Biters is like, go ahead, sorry. I'm just trying to not say the wee coffin but we've hit this point where I couldn't find a way to work it in naturally but it's stuck in my head and we have to move past it I'm sorry the same but also me sitting here thinking about that time like 12 years ago that Humvee just started talking about little people regular size world <laughs> what a cursed thought I know right and yet here we are I'm thinking about a hearse, but it's just like a little red wagon. So anyway, uh, Ankle Biters was not as bad as I thought it would be. Like, or as bad as everyone else thinks it was. It's like, it's just so, like, shocking a concept that you kind of can't believe that you're watching. And you end up sort of, like, appreciating the fact that it exists. It's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. But I had a good enough time with it. The same cannot be said for this next movie. Which, I'm kind of shocked it even exists. Parker assigned me... The runner-up, very close runner-up for worst movie I watched all year. Alex still wins the biscuit with Howard Lovecraft and the Frozen Kingdom, but... We love to see it. But Vampire Dog <laughs> is so close. <laughs> I, in my head, this is just like Man's Best Friend. I have... I've seen Man's Best Friend. So... Vampire Dog. Starring Norm MacDonald as the titular Vampire Dog. Vampire Dog is a Canadian movie. It uh, concerns the adventures and exploitations of one little 12-year-old boy who moves to a new town and actually says the words, being the, new kid at, being the new kid at school sucks. And his mom's a teacher. That means that he's going to be a dork. Uh, that's good. Yeah. So he goes, to, and he goes to music class and he can't play the drums in front of everyone because he's got stage fright. But when he goes home and performs alone in his room, he's he's really great. Uh, in fact, there's a <laughs> let's not take it's that a out whole of context. lot of plot that doesn't involve a vampire or a dog. Yeah, it takes a while for the vampire dog. Okay, so in fact, there's, <laughs> there's a girl in his school, and you're like, oh, this is the meet cute, right? There's like a girl, and he has like a crush on her, and there's like tension sort of thing. By the way, this movie's 94 minutes long, Parker. Those four minutes are, like, I, I can never get that back. Like, I'll meet the, the guy on the river sticks who paddles me down to Hades, and he'll be like, so, how were those four minutes? So, anyway, this girl... He plays the guitar riffs on the whole boat ride? Well, I, <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Vampire Dog, uh, his last words as he departs from the shore. <laughs> no encores and no Mr. Roboto. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, uh, 
this girl is a full like head and a half taller than this kid and she's got glasses this is like one of my favorite things about movies where it's like oh this girl she doesn't have a lot of friends at school because she's different what that means is she's wearing glasses and uh she is in the neighborhood and she bicycles past his house but she hears him drumming in there and his drumming look i'm not a drummer i don't know how to drum but this kid's drumming sounds like this and just like that over and over and over again she's like wow he's amazing and i'm like what the fuck is this now parker you like songs right uh, no good news i used to uh, well here's the thing good news there are no real songs in this instead there are various points where the band will try to play a song and it sounds horrendous and the movie actually tries to make you think that it was really good and i'm like what the fuck is going on here there's a certain there's like a talent show at the end of the thing and they're like oh here is the jazz band at the school my school had a jazz band they were really good they play a john philip sousa song that's not fucking jazz it's just the national anthem <laughs> so uh oh yeah a vampire dog there's a vampire dog in this so there's a dog uh he's voiced by norm mcdonald uh he can run really really fast vampires do that and he visits from Transylvania. And he's locked in a box with, like, no air holes. And we're like, oh, yeah, vampires don't need to breathe. Uh, he's allergic to sunlight. Like, oh, okay, I recognize that one. Anyway, the vampire dog loves to eat gelatin. Nice. No, gelatin. Though, <laughs> yeah. <actually>. <laughs> <laughs> so, or, like, you're thinking, oh, vampire dog, maybe this is part horror? No, literally no horror to this at all. No, not even, like, more of a thrill. It's just a dog that happens to be a vampire. No, well, see, that's the thing. It's like, ordinarily, I would say, yeah, that's what it is. So you think, oh, that sounds really stupid. The key defining characteristic of a vampire is that they like to drink blood, right? You think, like, yeah, that's part of it. Not this dog. This dog likes, he calls it jelly, but what he means is jello. So, like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Gelatin. It's the vampire dog's famous ping pong balls. <laughs> <laughs> so, Norm MacDonald is constantly, constantly begging for jelly in this movie. I'm not even, I'm not even making that up. This is real. No, this is... Unironically excited by this It's not... <laughs> Can't even come or piss. <laughs> so, <laughs> so matching Norm Macdonald's voice in the pitbull just tears the top. <laughs> oh yeah, so we gotta talk about Norm Macdonald. Norm Macdonald doesn't start speaking as a. Oh, by the way, vampire dogs can speak English. So for some Good. reason, it's part of the vampire continuum, of course. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Norm Macdonald for no reason decides to start talking to this kid and the kid faces like wow i can't believe i have a talking vampire dog that doesn't drink blood so uh neither can we yeah the viewers. this movie is like <laughs> so like there's a the mpaa rating system right g pg pg 13 r i'm not allowed to watch that but like this movie is so g rated you know because there's like extra stuff they'd be like g rating uh some slightly scary scenes or like something like that or two people kiss or something like that this is like g rating for like there's nothing in that box it's just g rated there's nothing like okay oh never mind there's one thing in fact it was the only <laughs> the only thing that got a, a slight like snort out of me there's a 
one part where the kid's lying on his bed and Norm MacDonald dog is uh, sitting at the foot of his bed and the kid's like, okay, so you can speak. Do you know any tricks? Do you shake? And uh, the dog doesn't even raise his hand. He just looks at him and farts. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, worked. You got me. <laughs> yeah. And it reminded me of the story Parker told. God, I, I feel like he told this story like 11 years ago. Uh is back with the, the preseason Greg McElroy game for the Jets, <laughs> where McElroy is like rolling out and he crosses the line of scrimmage for like ten Buddy, yards. You you said preseason? Oh, no, that happened in a real ass game. Oh, I thought that was preseason. Either way, he like oh, he, no. he crosses the line of scrimmage by like seven yards and chucks it downfield and still gets intercepted. <laughs> Parker looks at his dog. The dog looks at Parker. They make eye contact. Let's <laughs> have the longest, saddest fart. <laughs> I'll never forget that as long as I live. <laughs> Tiny little chihuahua just letting out a fart. <laughs> fucking turn your teeth brown. That's the most vile thing I've ever smelled. How long do you think that the conversation was like, all right, uh, Norm, so you do, do like a fun Transylvanian? No, okay. Oh, uh, well, that's do the thing. Like it's it. like, I like Norm MacDonald. And he's like, I have his comedy album. And I'm like, oh, he can do different voices. He can do impressions. And he can... He could do various comedic styles. He doesn't have to work blue. He could do all sorts of things. In this one, he's just reading the script. He had to pay off a parking ticket or something. And this movie was what he decided to do. I can't imagine that he auditioned for this. I have to imagine that he owed someone a favor. This is, in fact, a Canadian production, and Norm was Canadian. So, you know, maybe some sort of connection. Maybe this is someone he went to school with. Um, he did love to gamble. Yeah. Well, that's... Yeah. The, the more staggering part is that somebody wanted Norm MacDonald as a voice actor in their kid's movie. Uh, it's not that Norm said yes, it's that they called Norm. Well, that's not that surprising. He was in Klaus, and that's a kid's movie, and it's one of the best movies I've ever seen, and he's really good in it. So, And I'm sure he's done other kids' movies before. Uh, I don't... I bet they're not very good, but uh, is Norm Macdonald like a recognizable voice to children? Like, I don't know if I don't know if he's a recognizable voice to children, but like kids love Weekend Update, and they thought he yeah. got the shorts wrong <laughs> in the whole grand scheme of things. Well, they're right, but oh boy, Vampire Dog is again. It's so G rated that it's it's kind of hard to sit through. Like we talk about, oh, I don't like kids movies, and even when we assign them to each other, this one is so like it's not even kiddie. It's more like. It's not quite baby, because it's not quite baby geniuses, but it's still real. It's just so lame. Nothing interesting happens the entire time. It's it's really quite embarrassing. Uh, at the very end of it, I was looking at the end credits. It's like, is there going to be like some other stupid uh, end credits thing in here? I think the production company was like Vampire Dog Productions. They were like, are they going to turn this into a franchise? Is this going to be like Airbud but with vampire dogs? Uh, one other thing before I move on here. Uh, the Dark Universe this new book. That may be the production company of Vampire Dogs Productions, but not the distribution company. The distribution company was, and I'm not making this up here, Joker Films. <laughs> oh. That explains it. <laughs> you know, he thinks this movie is this good. Vampire Dog thinks crime is funny. <laughs> so, like, what on earth? <laughs> Did the dog get bit by a different dog that was also a vampire, or did a human vampire have to turn the vampire dog into a vampire? The next movie I watched was a... (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome for the segue. Yeah. The next movie I watched was a Finnish movie called Rare Exports. Parker, I believe you watched this. 
I think most of them we finished, but uh. <laughs> this is gonna be a banner episode. Yeah. Cool. So. <laughs> oh, I didn't use this for the fart sound effect. <laughs> Should have done that. <laughs> I like the echo. It keeps going. Rare Exports is a Christmas movie. It's a fin- it's a movie from Finland. Try some of that. And, uh, Parker, your review on Letterboxd was one that I was inclined to agree with. There is significantly more old man dick in this movie than I was spiritually prepared for. There is <laughs> so much, dude. <laughs> so the basic story of Rare Exports, which is actually a pretty interesting story, is uh, you have this, I guess an American team goes to Finland to search for the remains of Santa Claus... And uh, they find him, and turns out Santa Claus is kind of an asshole, and he uh, kills people. Yeah, he's dead. How does that make him an asshole? I'd be an asshole if I were dead. How do you think ghosts do it? Well, I don't know that he is dead in this, because he was just preserved in a block of ice. Uh, Oh, it's like, uh, fuck, what's that movie? The Thing. Encino Man. Or that, yeah. So... Very similar. Uh, they're they're both adaptations of who goes there. So rare. Exports. I, I should have gone with Austin Powers. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a better bit. Oh yeah. What a... So leave this in for the creative process. Yes. You know. No people can see behind this. No, actually, this is going to be on the Patreon. You have to unlock it if you pay fifty dollars. So rare exports. They find. Uh, Do not steal. It's not the only uh, Santa Claus. They they find other like old nude men down there with long white beards you're like oh that must be santa claus oh like the spider verse not quite so they're actually santa's little helpers you're like don't you mean elves no so you ever go to like a mall or something like that and like there's like the santas who are helping out and like some kid will say you're not the real santa and be like oh well you found out my secret but i'm actually one of santa's helpers and uh that's why you see me standing on the street corner ringing a bell asking for money for the salvation army and so those santa's little helpers are also murderous i guess they're trying to kill kids and they're also stealing everyone's hair dryer so they can melt the block of ice that the real santa is stuck in Uh, damn i wish somebody would have told zeke elliott about that <laughs> so he's a rare form, baby. So the movie gets pretty intense. Uh, there's a lot of surprisingly good effects for a, a Finnish movie. I didn't know they had that kind of budget. But uh, I just want to talk about the ending, which I thought was really interesting. Which is also the scene where you see the most old man penis in this movie. Uh, this is a, a scene where they decide, okay, we have all these leftover Santa's helpers. What can we do with them? We'll ship them out to all sorts of places all over the world. They ship him out to Tanzania. They ship him out to Zanzibar so he can meet the Zanzibarbarians. They meet. They they send him all. They send all these uh, Santa's little helpers everywhere so everyone can have their own little Santa Claus. And they call it Rare Exports. And then you get the title of the movie and then the credits roll. Uh, it's definitely a strange one. It's nowhere near as good as Riders of Justice, but uh, overall, I'm I'm pretty happy I saw it. Definitely an offbeat Christmas movie, but I kind of like the creativity that you get with uh, some of these uh, foreign movies. Oh, I'm not talking about that. Uh, next one I watched is uh, The Runaways. Uh, the Runaways were a band. They were an old girl band. I think they're all like pretty young. I think they're all teenagers. Uh, they had Joan Jett, uh, who went on to have a good solo career, and Lita Ford, who was briefly in Brutal Legend. And they also had some other actress who's, I think she called it, uh, what was her name? Sherry Curry? I guess it was kind of like a thing with Mary Curry or something like that, and she was the lead singer. I only know one song by The Runaways, and it's Cherry Bomb. It's a good song. 
Anyway, this movie has Kristen Stewart as Joan Jett, which is very good casting. She does a great job in that role. And it has, um, I think it's Dakota Fanning, one of the Fannings. I think it's Dakota Fanning as uh, Sherry Curry. And uh, boy, this movie gets a little R-rated. Uh, turns out the Runaways were, like most rock bands from the 80s, they did a lot of drugs and flaunted their sexuality. And uh, I ended up not really liking it. I think it's a, this kind of this movie kind of defines a little too on the nose. There are too many people who keep telling them an all girl rock band. Oh, it's most preposterous. You'll never have a hit single. And they're all in America, so I don't know why they're doing that accent. Maybe it's because they're women. Uh, they also have a producer played by Michael Shannon, who's doing a really good job as Kim Fowley, uh, one of the world's leading assholes. And uh, as good as he is in this movie, it's somehow I don't think he goes far enough because Kim Fowley was even worse than he's depicted in this movie. Uh, the music is not sensational. I'm sorry, the Runaways just weren't very good at music. I think I would have preferred a documentary or, or something about Girl School, which was an all-girl metal band, and they were actually pretty good. I like their songs. Uh, the Runaways doesn't really do it for me. I don't think it's really that interesting, so you can skip this one. I just remember one of my exes was, like, really into it, and I was like, really? This? Okay, one more here, because I don't want to talk about Grave Encounters. Uh, all I have to say about it is I can't believe Zach Baggins is someone's real name. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I can't believe he watched Grave Encounters and we're not going to talk about it for the third time. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that you guys watched it. That's how you both logged in on Letterboxd. I'm like, oh, that's, oh, that's what I'm yeah, spacing buddy. <laughs> Also, it's just boring. It's just a fucking boring movie. The, 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 the one lasting memory I have of that movie is uh, us putting it on. And her getting very, very annoyed that he was wearing sunglasses the whole time. Only for the reveal, like, an hour in that he has to wear sunglasses because a demon fucked up his vision. <laughs> it's just incredibly good. Uh, I was just... I Like, Parker, you said before we started recording that this genre is not for me. I do not like found footage. And you're probably right. I didn't like Smell House, Smell, Smell, Pee. But I did like two movies in the genre. I liked The Blair Witch first one and i liked um going jump haunted asylum which i think is uh probably the apex of the genre this one i thought was too lazy it, it didn't do anything i thought it was just worthless but the, the last movie i would like to talk oh wait uh, one more penultimate one here uh for christmas i didn't have a lot to do so i decided i would rewatch one of my favorite movies uh this is one i assigned to parker a while ago and it didn't do much for him it's called better off dead uh, I really like this movie. I think it's a classic 80s comedy. And Alex, I don't think you've seen it, but I'm not sure if I want to assign it to you. Uh, I don't really understand why people don't like it, but now that I've rewatched it for, I think, what might be the 782nd time, I guess I can kind of see where people are coming from. The movie's editing is really slapdash. Like, you can tell that Savage Steve Holland didn't have a lot of experience writing or directing movies. He didn't really know what the process should be. Uh, there are some scenes that they play a little too long, some scenes that don't have enough room to breathe. Uh, there's just some things that don't work in it. But I love this movie so much just because of the characters. I, The thing that I really like about movies and storytelling in general is if you have really strong characterization and... 
Better Off Dead has that in spades. I think they have some of the the best, most well-defined characters, and they're all very, very funny, and they're so memorable. And some of the lines stick with me. And in fact, it's one of those fun movies that I can come back to, and there will be a line that I forgot about that I'll just be thinking about for the rest of the time. There's this drug addict. I think it's one of the guys from Revenge of the Nerds or something like that. And he says, The entire state of Northern California has turned out to see one Lane Meyer tackle this totally insane mountain dead or alive and then he skis away and i i just i like the idea that he, they're gonna like you're gonna ski down this mountain dead or alive and it, it's just stuck in my head i i really do like this way even for all the stuff that doesn't work like parker you probably remember the uh the van halen song thing that doesn't work at all and i i did some research apparently uh the director thought oh wow this doesn't work at all and that was the thing that tested highest with audiences i don't get it. I guess Van Halen was just on top of the world then because I'm like, wow, that's like the first scene that I would cut. I have watched this movie on so many dates and it has never worked. No girl has <laughs> ever liked this movie. Well, no, you're right. It's the students who are wrong. <laughs> and, it, and I get it. I totally get it. And I appreciate it that no one likes it but me. And maybe I do have to retire this. And I should go back to showing Ganjamhan at Asylum. But Better Off Dead is a movie that I'm always going to have a fond memory of. And my family has fond memories of it. And uh, I think that more people ought to give it a chance. But one last one here for the Christmas. Chris, I have a question quick for you. Yeah, go ahead. What did you say the producer of this movie's name was? Uh, The director. His name is Savage Steve Holland. All right. If if your name is Steve, you don't get to go by Savage. I I don't need (laughs) to. That's just, I'm sorry. That's in the rules. I didn't make it up. You also can't go by Savage if you're the one who draws this opening animation for the movie and it's the least Savage thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, also turns out I, I think Sam Steve Holland may have got me too after this movie came out so uh, problematic but not quite somebody as somebody named Savage Steve that's just a me too waiting to happen dude. yeah like, but, <laughs> but also uh, uh, the, the guy who was uh, uh, who was in it uh, what's his name the fat guy his name is uh, Ricky in this movie uh, turns out that's Dan Schneider Paco if, if people no <laughs> <laughs> Turns out uh, Dan Schneider went on to produce iCarly and also became famous on the internet on the internet for being the foot guy. So uh, the other one who got oh, me produced too. by Rowdy Rick Race. <laughs> well, that's a great segue into a movie that Alex assigned me for the Christmas oh, no. season, and one that I have to admit, uh, Alex, I'm going to have to question why you assigned this to me. It's called The Man Who Invented Christmas. Um, yeah. What's the deal here? The Dan Stevens movie? Yeah. Did you not care for it? I, I feel like he answered your question. Uh, I, I probably the did. Dan Stevens well, movie. It's, yeah. What, what Dan, I like Dan Stevens. Wasn't he in The Guest? Yeah. Yeah, I like The Guest. I, I, I'm not assigning everything to be mean to you. Did you assign this to be nice to me? I thought so. Oh. Well, strike All right, let's one. hear how much you hated uh, it. Go I ahead. Didn't, oh, I didn't, I didn't hate it or like it. I kind of, when I'm watching it, I'm just like, there's got to be someone besides Dan Stevens, right? So the entire time I'm watching it, I'm waiting for Jeremy Renner to pop out in a wig. And uh, he doesn't. Instead, movie. Yeah. Instead, Christopher Plummer is in this because, boy, that guy really needed the money as he went on. <laughs> uh, this is the story of, uh, 
uh, first of all, one of the worst titles of all time, The Man Who Invented Christmas. Yeah, his awful name, title. Yeah, Completely agree. Yeah, his name is Jesus. Uh, the Man Who Invented Christmas is about uh, Charles Dickens, and this is about his process uh, trying to write a Christmas uh, carol. And uh, in adapting this, this story, they also tell the story of a Christmas carol. So it's kind of one of those like half adaptations of a Christmas carol, and I think everyone who has ever watched the movie can agree... A Muppet Christmas Carol is the best version of A Christmas Carol. It's not even close. Uh, this one tries to make it seem as though Charles Dickens also experienced more or less the uh, the story of A Christmas Carol. Uh, and it does it in kind of like a weird way because it's like he's inventing these characters in his head and then having conversations with the characters. I'm like, okay, I can kind of see it. It's like it's an artistic thing. Like he comes up, like who would be this money grubbing miser? Is like, uh, what would be his name? Scratch and Scrooge. That's a good name for a character. It's just Dan Brown doing this uh, voice. I guess he must actually be British. And uh, in his room appears Christopher Plummer as Scrooge. Oh, who's, uh, did you uh, did you not remember him from the Downton Abbey movie? Of course he's British. Oh my God, he he wasn't. <laughs> That, they? I'm sorry, everyone in that movie kind of looks the same, so... <laughs> uh, so everyone in that movie is gorgeous? Okay, got it. Yeah, all the men look like women, or... Oh, wait, it's British. So, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so Christopher Plummer appears in his room, and he has a conversation with him. It's like, uh, what do you like? Oh, I don't like Christmas. Oh, I tell you that much. It's like, uh, are you a man or a woman? Well, it depends what kind of scene this is. Is it a comedy? You know, that sort of thing. And he invents more characters as he goes along. And uh, I don't know a whole lot about the lore of A Christmas Carol, and I decided I wouldn't do research for this one. Uh but I guess one of the, the lores behind it is the making of A Christmas Carol, the book, was that he really wanted to kill off the character of Tiny Tim. And every single person who read it was like, oh, come on, you <laughs> kill off the kid. He's like, oh, I have to kill off the kid. <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, at the end of the movie, he's just like, I decided he doesn't die. And in fact, that's one of my favorite parts about it because he says, and Tiny Tim who did not die, which is like, the ex- <laughs> that's the exact same cadence that Gonzo uses in The Muppet yeah. Christmas Carol. I assume that that's, that's the way it's printed in the book, and they actually, like, bolded not. <laughs> so, uh, I, I guess he did that just for his publishers or something. I don't know. Uh, and the idea here is that maybe this is good. Maybe this is, like, I couldn't tell if I liked this or not. Uh, his father uh, had a tough life. He got arrested for I guess not having enough money. And uh, Charles Dickens had to work in a factory or something. And uh, as such, he has kind of a strained relationship with his father. So he has to confront his own past and his own future about, like, his relationship with his father. And there is a bit of a parallel to A Christmas Story. And if you're watching this and you're, like, a huge fan of A Christmas Story, like, you have, like, the Christmas Story entire novel, like, tattooed on your chest or something like that. And, like, you've got all the memorabilia of A Christmas Story and everything. And you go to, like, A Christmas Carol amusement parks and you've like you've actually slept on the grave where Charles Dickens is buried then you'll have a pretty good time with this movie but if not you're gonna say well, I guess that was okay you know I, it doesn't really leave a lasting impression uh I really like the scene where Tiny Tim was like, God bless us. And then Eddie Murphy just stared at him and sent him <laughs> flying like Team Rocket. <laughs> so that kid's straight to hell. But don't worry, he is not dead. And then, and then the vampire dog chases him. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he wants jelly. Yeah, so as somebody that doesn't give a shit about A Christmas Carol, or in like any way, shape, or form whatsoever, 
other than, you know, like, having been around it a lot through cultural osmosis. Like, I enjoyed this for what it was. It's this thing that I've seen retold, like, 200 different fucking times in all these different ways that I'll, like, want to, like... You know, their, their, their relationship to the source material is still that of, like, something that's, like, current, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. There, there's, like, a certain amount of time that has to go by from, like, a popular thing's existence until, like, the conversation around it changes and people start using it as a reference more than, like, relying on it itself as their content. And I thought that, like, it was weird that for as long as A Christmas Carol's been around, like, I never experienced something like that. And then this movie was kind of that. And, like, I don't know, it did a lot for me. I thought Dan Stevens was great in it. I thought, um... The idea of having, you know, like, the story of Charles Dickens as told through the story of A Christmas Carol was, like, a really cool idea. I neither know nor care how much of that was accurate to real life. Right, Because, yeah. like, Charles Dickens has been dead for a long fucking time, dude. I yeah. don't care. It's like, it's like, uh, what's the fucking, I'm gonna mix it up. What's the the Shakespeare movie? Uh, Shakespeare like in Love, wasn't it? Thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Like, Shakespeare in Love is a movie that I don't particularly care for, but it works. Yeah. Like, it, it. It, it works really, really well. And, like, I kind of thought it was interesting to do that with Dickens as a Christmas movie with, like, a cast that I liked a lot. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying this is, yeah. like, a world-changing great movie, but I thought it was nice. Yeah, it's it's nice. I, I, I will say that I appreciate getting a new Christmas movie to watch for the holiday season instead of something like The Santa Claus 2, you know? So, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. We, we, we're we actually now at a point that I feel like we need more new Christmas movies than we're getting. Well, the good like, news is a lot I, of the recent ones are really good. I mean, if you got, like, Writers of Justice, uh, Klaus, there are some really good Christmas movies recently. Anyway, uh, one last thing about uh, <laughs> this movie is I really want to reemphasize the point that it appears as though it's really playing to the hardcore fans of Charles Dickens, which I assume exists. And there's got to be some that exist, like... Theater kids, yeah. I mean, not just theater kids, but, like, if I have that collection of Harlan Ellison books, there's probably someone who's just like, yeah, I love Charles Dickens, I'm his biographer. (laughs) I would hope so. Yeah, you know, like, there's a whole (laughs) bunch of people who, I'm sure, probably more so than uh, Harlan Ellison fans, but, like... It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. That's the thing, is, like, they talk about it in ways that almost feels like... The Runaways biopic, where it's like, okay, so it starts off, and it's just, he had just written Great Expectations, right? Big hit. And he goes to New York City, it's like, wow, Americans sure know how to have a good time. Uh, and then he has four more flops, which they don't bother to name, and people in the audience are just like, yeah, well, that's how it happened. I remember. 1800s. And he's like, oh, I gotta write a new one, a Christmas story. And there are, like, little moments where, like, they'll name drop something, but it's like a hinted reference. He's, they He meets a character. I think towards the end of the movie, it's like a police officer is like, well, what's your name, officer? And the officer says, Copperfield, Copperfield. And in your mind, you're, you're just like, oh, wow, a subtle David Copperfield reference, a book I've never read. And it just feels like all the all the Charles Dickens are just like, oh, I can't wait for the sequel. Like, I, I'm not going to watch the David Copperfield Dan Stevens as Charles Dickens movie, but I'm sure it'll be very good that for is, fanboys. That is both... A wild and also appropriate take for modern movie audiences. Because, like, when I think of this movie, I think of it as, like, along the same veins as something like Amadeus. Mm-hmm. Where, like, I don't think anybody was making the soy face in the audience for Amadeus. You know what I mean? But, like, because this movie came out in, like, what, like, 2017? Like, yeah. you're just thinking for the what the modern consumer wants. Like, I, I get where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I just, like... 
to me, like, this feels like a movie that's, like, ripped out of, like, the early 2000s. That, like, it's kind of, it is kind of weird that it came out now, but also I think that makes mm-hmm. it kind of interesting i think it's maybe a little too well made for something like that and not just like the special effects and stuff like right that, but right, it almost yeah. feels like it's got a little bit more mentality to it you know like they're they're actually trying to tell a story this is well structured uh it's well acted uh well written uh i i suppose it just didn't really resonate with me uh, it's definitely not a bad that's movie, fair though so uh, i i will say it's probably one i'm going to remember and as far as christmas movies go it's one of the better ones for sure i've watched so many bad ones, Alex. Yeah, I I, I, <laughs> I I watched this for the first time just before we get off it. I watched this for the yeah. first time like on Christmas Eve by myself on my laptop, and uh, it stuck with me in a way that I wasn't expecting for something that I figured it was just going to be white noise while I went to bed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hence yeah. passing it on. Yeah. What did you watch this week, Parker? Uh, that's a great question. Hey, you guys, ever hear this movie called The Matrix? <laughs> pretty fucking sick as it turns out right yeah pretty good have not seen it in over a decade probably closer to like 15 years than 10 and just every scene i'm like oh no i remember this word for word i remember this i remember this didn't realize how much of this movie was burned deep into my brain and how Mm -hmm. good it still is Mm -hmm. and more importantly how badly i want to go back more than I've ever wanted anything on planet Earth than to just get a duster, get the cool guy glasses, and just go to a nightclub where Dragon was playing. I would trade everything I have right now, which admittedly yeah. is not <laughs> much right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's... I have to throw in the ottoman, buddy. I mean, that's the thing is, like, Neo. even, like, the scuzzy people who come to Neo's apartment, like, those people, like, I want to follow them, too. They look like they're having a better time than I am. They're having the best time of their life. They're about to get high as fuck. And meanwhile, I'm just sitting here in a hotel, still not getting high as fuck. It's uh, it's wild to me that like I don't think there's any, any like in movie descriptor of where this takes place. Yet this like resonates as a New York movie to me. Like just everything oh, yeah, about it feels like scuzzy late '90s New York, and I love that so much. Oh yeah, for sure. What I love is how quickly the movie moves and never ever slows down Mm -hmm. but it's not like overwhelming it dishes out information so efficiently which is not how i remember the matrix reloaded going but we'll get there (laughs) Uh, yeah you will oh man maybe i should do that too i that's the thing is like the one thing i really wanted to say about the matrix i didn't say when i talked about it is that i feel as though i had a different experience watching the matrix than everyone else except one joshua brody uh Apparently, when The Matrix came out, everyone was like, yeah, that's great. I want more of it. Whereas I watched the movie and I was like, yeah, that's good. That's good just the way that it is. I don't need a sequel. I don't. I kind of feel like I can imagine what the sequel is going to be in my head. And it's just kind of good the way that it is. I'm not necessarily against the idea of a sequel, but I wasn't exactly gung-ho about it. And that's when I came out of the theater. Like, actually really watched it. And I was with my sister. I was like, wow, that was so good. I was thinking to myself, I want more. But when I say I want more is I want to buy the Blu-ray. I just want to watch it again because the movie's just that good, you know? I I don't necessarily need or want a, an animated side story called The Animatrix. And I don't know that Great I, title, though. Yeah. Really, Great title. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know that I want to see a sequel that will develop the romance between Neo and the woman. So, like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I need one of those. How did you feel, Parker, when you were done? Were you like, oh, I would like to see a sequel? Like, just hypothetically... Okay. Assume the sequel's good. 
I would like to spend more time in this world, but also I don't know if I had any lingering questions that I needed followed up on. Right. Yeah. I wanted to spend time with these three characters who, like, it's three performances where, you know, like, every actor under the fucking sun was offered these parts, but you can't imagine anyone else playing them at this point. It's just not the same movie. So I want to spend more time with these characters in this cool world where you can do anything, but also... I don't have any lingering like, well, explain this. What if a man in a chair sat down for 30 minutes and told me about the other ones? Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. Mercifully, it's not that long. See, like, when he, like, (laughs) flies into the screen at the end of the movie, I was just like, okay, so he's got God Mode activated. There aren't really any stakes anymore. Like, you know, there's no draw. He's just going to win the day. And then I guess stakes are invented as the movies go on, which, you know, that's to be expected. But uh... And, and uh, I, like, just, just to put this in here as a bumper before mm-hmm. both of you guys inevitably watch this this week, mm-hmm. like, the way they up the stakes is organic. Like, I felt good with how that was done, with the whole, like, oh, Smith is a computer program and he's getting a mind of its own and he's getting stronger. Oh, like, I believe it. Great, yeah. great way to amplify it because, like you, Chris, mm-hmm. um, like walking out of i mean i didn't see it in a theater this time but like like walking out of seeing it i was like i would love to see more of this and as a person living in 2021 had the option to just immediately play the matrix reloaded which is the exact same feeling i got when i watched casino royale a couple months ago like casino royale does not leave a ton open-ended and yet you tell me it's like a direct follow-up for like another 110 minutes or so like hell yeah i want to see that immediately like hopefully they do justice with the story and it's a mixed bag in both cases but you know because the enticing thing is like you've spent all the time with neo learning with him what all of this is and how everything works you're like all right groundwork is laid we've got great characters i know how this world works let's fucking go and then we spend a lot of time in a cave instead well you know see i used earlier the metaphor it's like god mode but i guess it's a better comparison to be uh that cheat code in tony x pro skater where you have infinite specials you still have to input the buttons and you still have to actually land the trick for it to count. Otherwise, like, you're not doing it. So that's more or less what it is. He may have all the powers in the world and he can fly and do all the karate and everything, but it's still a complex world that he lives in. Also, Alex said, I don't feel like looking it up. Were the sequels also directed by the Wachowskis? Yes. All right. In that case, I'm not surprised that they kept it organic because it's their world. They clearly had a plan for this and they have an idea of how to grow the franchise and everything. If the sequels don't work, I'm still not even going to be that mad because, like, it's I, I I just like the original movie. I don't think that you can ruin the original movie, even if the sequels are like horrendous or something. Uh, that being said, I, I suppose none of us have watched Matrix Four yet. Uh, to say that it is getting mixed receptions is uh, putting it lightly. People seem to be really love it or hate it just from the few reviews that I've seen. A lot of people are saying that if you didn't like it, then you didn't get it, man. And it was that movie was about you. You're part of the system. So um, Exactly the reaction I'm looking for yeah. to like, incentivize me to watch something. Right. I'm so amped to see this movie. Yeah. Same. Uh, Even if it's hot dog shit, because... I bet it'll be different from most other sequels I've seen this year. You know what? I could use different. At this point, I like something fresh. So I, I hope it's good. I really do. Anyway, Also, one last have, one last comment on your God Mode thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it, like, it affects the stakes of the movie overall when you know what Neo can do. But also, I've got two early 2000s movies where Neo just flies around like a Dragon Ball Z character, and that fucking rules. Like, that's... And it's also good. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a different kind of good, yeah. but it's good. Yeah. 
I think I'm just the one I'm dreading the most is I just don't want to see Trinity and Neo's relationship. I just think she's so boring. Oh, well, you uh, you'll it, it's like a band aid. It's like a twenty minute band aid rip, and then you're pretty much done with it for a while. Like, it's not really a band aid. But it's rip, the then. first twenty minutes. <laughs> it's the first twenty minutes. All so right. just be prepared. The other thing about it, and okay. it sorry, go ahead, now. Parker. No, no, I was about to go to another point. So okay, well, I guess the other point that I was going to make is that uh, when you talk about, like, oh, it's only 20 minutes, The Matrix 1 is another two-and-a-quarter-hour movie. And I think this was your letterbox review is, no matter what time you told me this movie was, I would have undershot it by 30 minutes. This is one of those longer movies that uses every single second to its advantage and still feels like it's really, really short. So this is one of the ones I go to as a long movie defender. It's like, oh, The Matrix is a long movie, and boy is it worth it i don't think that's another one of those movies where it's like yeah i don't think i cut anything besides like the entire character of trinity but uh <laughs> there's there's one thing i'd cut from from the first movie what would it be and it's only after having seen the sequels again mm-hmm. and that's the scene where the the robot like stalks the ship um oh i like where that they've got to like tr- yeah but then you're gonna see the robots in three and go oh well now that scene has no stakes so i don't like it anymore oh well it's the, Damn, the one really like, the, that my, scene. like my one yeah it's a great scene it makes the robots feel really intimidating and yeah. then you watch three and it's like guys with chain guns shooting at thousands of robots flying no, around it's like oh no oh this sucks <laughs> oh that so it's kind of like the the star wars thing you know it's kind of like the, it like is in episode nine where they got all those fucking ships coming in I have compared <laughs> Matrix Revolution to Star Wars to literally every person that I've talked to about Matrix Revolution since I watched it again. Yeah. It is the most Star Wars-ass non-Star Wars movie. Yeah. And uh, as one final point before I get it back to Parker, because you said something that I have to key in on. Yeah. Uh, about the pacing of the first movie. You know why it works? Because there's no source material that they have to be beholden to. There's Good no, point. oh, we gotta tell this five-minute story for the real fans that know what happened in issue number 77 of The Matrix Dark Universe. Like, it's so nice. Right. It's so refreshing. Just be like, you know what? Nobody knows what Neo's deal is, but we're gonna find out when the movie tells us. Right. They don't have to talk about that. when he was going to write Charles Dickens, David Copperfield. Parker, you had a point that you were making, <laughs> Like, the plot of the movie, like, we all remember, like, okay, yeah, and then he goes in the Matrix and he gets the cool powers. You, It's easy to forget when you haven't seen it forever how quickly things turn into, like, okay, so he's getting chased. That's where this guy on this phone knows who he is. Where did his mouth go? What did they put in his belly button? What just came out of his belly button? Okay, he's waking up. What is this pod? What is this? What do you mean they're liquefying fucking dead people to feed to the babies? But it feeds it to you so quickly and in such simple English that even nine-year-old Parker is following along like, yes, absolutely, I understand. Yeah. I got it. The Matrix harvests us. And then uh, you just like, okay, you have nowhere to go but more details and more exposition the deeper you get into this universe. And that's what happens when you film two movies back-to-back where it's like, well, we got to really flesh this out. It's like, no, no. Keep it simple. It's fine. Yeah. This is all I needed. See, that's the interesting thing about this is it's so well presented. It's so coherent. And it's usually you don't praise a movie for coherency. But in this genre, in science fiction, that's something to praise it for. And also, at no point in watching this movie as a kid or now, I was like, man, I wonder what Zion looks like. Because it probably fucking sucks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to meet other people. I'm fine with this crew. It's okay. Just end it here. But, and yeah. and and so like to even take that a step further, like 
there shouldn't be three of these. There should be eight of these. Trying to tie a nice little bow on this universe in your three-movie trilogy is, like, the worst possible thing you could do for this IP. If they're just making, like, fucking Matrix 7, where uh, Jeremy Renner is now Neo, no, and right, he's, no. he's fighting Agent Smith, played by, fuck, I don't know, Bradley Cooper? It doesn't fucking matter. You just keep making, like, dumb action movies in the, in the, the Matrix world, and that's, like, a better fate than, uh... We gotta go talk to all the robots making a giant baby Jesus face. Like, it's... <sighs> yeah, see, yeah you, you'll, face, see, you'll see. You'll we'll see. get there. Oh, uh, oh yeah, I, I want one more thing about this one. Uh, I've, I've thought about it. I really put my heart and soul into thinking about it. I've determined my favorite thing about The Matrix, the first movie, is Lawrence Fishburne. And it says a lot, because it's more than his performance. It's a fact that he gets it. Like, he was the first one where he was handed the script. He actually read the fucking thing. And he said, yeah, this makes sense. This is easy. Because all the studio executives were like, I don't... What? What is... I don't understand what's going on. What is this? Who is Neo? And he, like, understood everything. He had... I think he had already read the book that the uh, Wachowskis had everyone else read. And uh, he was just like, no, this makes sense. This looks like it'll be a pretty good movie. And he's got that kind of voice. And not just his voice, but, like... Like the the spine behind that voice, where everything he says sounds so much cooler than the words as written. Like, I heard there's a scene in the new movie where a woman says, "I thought you said that if anyone goes there, they'll be killed." And he says, "Then let's hope." And he loads up a gun that I was wrong. And you, you just think like, "Oh, that sounds mundane," but he makes it sound cool. Like there's a uh, there's one line. In fact, a better example here. The first movie that really got me. Where uh, Neo asks him, so, what you're saying is, if I get good enough at this, I'll be able to dodge bullets. And Lawrence Fishburne says, I'm saying if you get good enough at this, you won't have to. And that's, if just as written, that sounds like kind of lame. You'd be like, oh, what, don't you mean like bullets will dodge you or something like cool like that? Something that makes me think it's like, no, no, no. He could just say, Soviet Russia. You, you could just say... You won't have to, and it's so much, like, the way that he says it is so much cooler. And the other thing about it is, like, he, the whole, like, presence of who Morpheus is is really built up in the movie. It's like, who is this mysterious character? I think in any other movie, it would be a letdown. It'd be like, oh, it's just another guy with stupid-looking sunglasses and a duster. It's like, no, no, no. When he's on screen, you're just like, I want to follow him. I uh, He's going to be my lord of illusions. I will follow him into the desert. I, <laughs> like, you look, it's like, all right, what's my line here? Uh, he asked if you're Morpheus, and you just say yes. All right, I can do something with that. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he has wait, so wait, many wait, lines that are like three words long, you, and he just... <laughs> Mm. You just said yes Delicious. in the way that Betty from the Mummy would say it. <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I'm very happy to talk to both of you next week about how his performance in the Matrix Reloaded is. Oh, I, uh, I, I already know. I, I feel about the opposite. But um, <laughs> oh no, are you serious? <laughs> Fuck. You wanna, you wanna, you know this cool, like almost like father figure character that's just like there to offer sage advice. Hey, you wanna see him with a katana, like? I'm not. I, don't I not yeah, want that. like I'm not. There's gonna be look. Alex is probably not telling us something that's gonna be so much worse than that. Speaking of Star Wars, it's <laughs> I'm it's you only get in the lightsaber, right? You don't need. Yeah, it. exactly. That's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. I mean, I was 
I was 12 when that came out, so you know. Yeah, of course. Probably, I'll probably react to it differently. Like, that was my favorite part when I watched it uh, in a theater. Right. And then when I watched it again, you know, like six months ago, I was like, oh, no. Right. See, that's the other thing about it. It's like, getting back to my, like, in any other movie sort of thing, when he goes to meet the Oracle and she tells him that Morpheus will sacrifice himself, in any other movie, I'd be like, well, I don't care. Neo's the main character. I like him. In this movie, I'm like, no, 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 come on. Guys, we have to get a plane together. <laughs> we'll have to save him. I'm glad we all get to revisit the scene where that happens yeah. this week. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> yum, yum, yum. And of course, the one final thing about the Matrix, as I've said every time the Matrix has come up, you put that steak in front of me, I'm selling oh, out Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Without even question. You have me eating that gruel for seven years, you put that steak in front of me, you fucking plug me in 50 million miles you give me like 50 grand to put me in a cabin somewhere and I don't know what the matrix is I'm fine but you get the steak the steak is really the selling point there I would give anything for that steak <laughs> god I could go for some steak right now uh, so one final thing I watched Alex uh, who's your pick for the magic mic competition <laughs> <laughs> you're so welcome for this we only got two episodes in but we are locked in. This is absolutely happening. <laughs> uh, big shout out to my favorite contestants. Uh, Merlin, the former Mormon. Adonis, the middle-aged black man with a dad bod. Just a big old fat paunch belly. And of course, back in the Asian guy who looks exactly like Mad Dog from the Raid movies. Who was a virgin until he was 30. How tall is he? The show... You know exactly. Oh yes, yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. Is incredible. None of them that they've picked to go on are comfortable whatsoever taking their clothes off in front of people. None of them have any choreography. None of them are dancers. It is the greatest show I've ever seen. This is not how I I was expecting the show to go either. Uh, So I was absolutely expecting it to be schlocky and stupid, because otherwise, how could you make this show work? If it's a bunch of fucking self-serious, like, hot, workout, six-hour-a-day guys, like, it's just not fun. So, like, I'm very happy to hear this, because uh, I have not given her the news that we're watching this yet, because I know that she (laughs) is going to be locked in, which is the only reason I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I'm, I'm very excited. And he's like... The guy looks like Mad Dog is introduced. Like his like opening thing is just like, yeah, I'm not really comfortable uh, taking my shirt in front of my girlfriend. Also, I was a virgin until I was 30, and I met her. <laughs> and they teach all of them like the a one move called the dolphin dive, which you will see. And every single one of them tries it in every single competition, and they're all bad at it. <laughs> that sounds like something where someone would be, be like at risk of eating shit. Correct. <laughs> one guy tries to land a kip up like. 50 times and finally lands it. It's so Dude, good. I have landed... I want to see Paco do a dolphin dive. I have, Same. How many camp have I landed in my life? With the benefit of a wrestling mat, I think three. And I have attempted perhaps 3,000. Chris, so there's probably going to be a season two, so uh, let know. us know. Yeah. I knew I was in for the count when someone asked me the, the standard, like, so why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do the Magic Mike? And I was like, well, I always wanted to be an Olympic medalist, and that's never going to happen now, so I have to win this. <laughs> <laughs> this was your fallback plan to perform at the Vegas Magic Mike show. <laughs> and also, a uh, big shout-out to, like, it's a constant thing for two episodes of them talking about how uncomfortable they are taking their shirts off in front of people, which seems like a prerequisite for the job that you would want to be good at. 
But also, the first episode ends with them going to uh, one of the Magic Mike shows. One of the most hyped things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, podcast field trip. We're all going. Yes. We're all getting drunk as fuck. So, uh, <laughs> the next time somebody gets married, you know, after after we fill somebody up at the bachelor party, <laughs> that's, that's the next Roll them out the door. <laughs> I was like, all right, so what's it going to be? It's going to be like the movie. And that Fat Man Scoop song starts playing. I just rip my shirt off and start going to the hotel. It was 2 30 in the morning. <laughs> it's just a fucking Borat chase. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a lot. I was really getting into it. One of my favorite ones. Uh, yeah. Also, it's only like eight episodes long, so like I'm we're fucking yeah. in. We're yeah, I, I knew it was short, and that's that was part of the the impetus to use Dragon Balls on my sweet little baby boy. Who still has to watch like twenty hours of Gold Rush. Appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, looking forward to getting internet at my apartment so I can actually download things now. Can't do that off public hotel Wi-Fi, as it turns out. Not with that attitude. Yeah. Frowned upon. Also, I don't have a mattress yet, so can't get kicked out. Ooh. Sorry, nutty by nature. <laughs> <laughs> can't do it. Can't risk it. Uh, can't or won't. Okay, so yes. let's move on to uh, the movie of the week. This is Elves. So known as Elf 2. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Alex, I know this movie wasn't exactly spectacular, but you did you like it more than Elf? I, I have liked every movie that any of you has assigned <laughs> me, ever, more than I liked Elf, too. Okay. Are you fucking kidding me with this shit? Okay, so I'll... Man, that's who my jerk of the week was gonna be. Buddy the Elf, oh, making right. fun of retards. <laughs> I forgot he got cancelled, yeah. <laughs> Literally the greatest thing I could wake up to on Christmas is some <laughs> fucking stupid online journal just laying in the elf for being offensive to the mentally handicapped. Right. God bless you. You know, it's weird they haven't come after It's a Wonderful Life yet. I mean, their servant woman is black, you know? It's like a couple generations removed from slavery. Anyway, well, uh, this movie... Uh, elves i have to admit a little inside baseball here i picked this entirely because i went to the wikipedia plot summary saw the first paragraph and saw the word nazi in there i'm like all right we're doing this and uh yeah probably should have read the rest of it because uh well i'll tell you this that's a classic parker mistake now now parker told me that he was very confused by what happened and i took very detailed notes for a movie that i can't see it uh, I took very detailed notes for a movie that's under 90 minutes, so there's actually a lot of stuff I have to say here, and I still needed the plot summary for the ending scene, because I have no idea what happened, and I really don't think that the people involved oh. in this movie know what happened. <laughs> but I, I think that's the only scene I did understand. Okay, well, we'll get into it. I guess we can help each other out here. <laughs> just, just let me put this out there now. Elves down bad. Um, well, <laughs> yes. Well, uh, the movie starts off with... Nazis use their training for good. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait. This is uh, this is called the Sisters of Anti Christmas. Uh, they go out to a forest and they light a candle and uh, I don't know. I guess they're like a few feet away from the Midnight Society. And uh, one of the girls in there is, and I try not to use this word, but I've been watching enough Wes Craven movies that I think I can, a total hoe bag. Uh-oh. And uh, she really Ooh. wants to fuck a guy <laughs> named Dave. And uh, First time in history. (laughs) I can't wait till Dave pipes. You think she calls him Savage Dave? (laughs) Well, she he can't be that savage because one of them says, "Come on, not Dave. He's got a bent dick." And I was just thinking, 
he should see the <laughs> fucking Movalo. <laughs> I was like, man, he should see the same doctor that Ronnie Cox did. So, uh, fucking faucet dick looking at it. It's, it's an L pipe. <laughs> so, uh, they one of them produces a drawing. I don't know how they learned how to do that. And she says, oh, who's that? <laughs> it's our patron saint, the virgin of anti Christmas. Dude. Dude, <laughs> to say that they produced a drawing is an understatement because it undersells the fact that it is a drawing from a Nazi scrapbook that is just a naked lady with like half swastikas drawn on her tits. Right, yeah, and they were they were saying that like, oh no, it's just Art Deco on the tits. <laughs> That sounds like something we'd say today. Right, yeah. I feel like they were the ones writing it or something. Uh, by the way, Parker, yes, the virgin of anti-Christmas is in the slideshow. So, uh, one of the... Heavy metal tits, Jesus Christ. One of the girls is just like, I don't know, I, do they hear like a sound or something out there? Some Something in the distance or something like that? And she says, oh, Roy, I guess Roy is her boyfriend or something like that. She says, Roy will bust if he finds out. I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> does he have a fetish for women in the woods? <laughs> you should watch Evil Dead. Oh, no, it, it, it looks like the patron saint of anti-Christmas has gotten stuck under the anti-Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Roy can't watch Metropolis without... <laughs> so one of them I think one of them drops the candle which is in like a glass container and she cuts her hand and I uh close what there's a wind the wind up? blows what, the wind? and one of them goes oh my god the candle and picks up the candle and then breaks it because she's a clumsy right. fucking idiot right and then which she... is somehow stupider than what you said okay oh, so otherwise. the yes. blood seeps into the ground thus awakening the killer Nazi elves we'll get to that in a second but that, as the girls run off she says I guess we'll just have to be blood sisters and if I'm one of those other girls I'm like I didn't touch the, the blood candle glass stuff this is all you sister so, uh, yeah, I think, like, a hand comes out of the ground, and you're just like, okay, the titular elves. Let's let's see this movie, right? So, uh, I kind of get the feeling that these characters, these, these girls, were originally written as, like, teenage boys, just because of the way that they talk. And there's, like, this thing about, like, this is why you need a female co-writer. This is the, for example, you think about uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. There's a reason that he had his girlfriend write all the female characters, because men don't really know how to write women you know like men typically have women say, right <laughs> men have women say things that they wouldn't you know ever say and this movie is a prime example because these women aren't talking like human beings they're talking like middle school boys you know it's kind of ridiculous i'm not saying i dislike it because it's kind of like kind of crazy in a way that i like i mean normal because i'm the joker but like it's it's just a little bit uh noticeable to me for some of this uh anyway so she's got a wheelchair grandpa uh, when i say she i mean like the main one i don't remember her name but uh she's got a wheelchair grandpa and parker was immediately reminded of silent night deadly night <laughs> it's, it's it's gotta be <laughs> they had to have been nemeses right <laughs> <laughs> Back in the war, yeah. <laughs> Which war? Oh, the Great War. They're all great. Uh, anyway, her mom, who's a total bitch, by the way, uh, decides. Oh, you were out late in the woods with your friends in the fog. I'm going to cancel your savings account. And my first reaction was, how? <laughs> how? <laughs> it's not a thing you can do. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh no, no more money's gonna be added to this account that's not meant for, you know, that. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn, you got me. Yeah, like... like also, kid, you're like 30, just go with... Oh, uh, my yourself. 401k! How am I gonna get through high school now? Fuck off. Well, she said she was saving it for art school, so she can draw more big-titted versions of anti-Christmas. But, uh... Again, it's her account. You can't just have someone else to be like, even if the girl's 16, right? I guess she's in high school or something like that, right? You can't just say, I want my daughter's account closed down because the bank will just say no. Also, what is it? What do you mean closed down? What are you just like, you take out all the money and spend it on more Botox or something like that? You can't just do that unless her name's already on the account, in which case. Hey, Grandpa has to right. give the gold back. All right, that's there it is. <laughs> so, uh, I was like, wow, that's kind of. Stupid. Anyway, so the girl is showering. We don't see anything because it's not that kind of movie yet. But her little brother, who's wearing a, uh, a Ninja Turtles pajama set, like peeks on her. And I kind of talk about this scene. She's like, hey, you. And he goes back to his room and he is just skulking around his. I have to stand up for this. He's just skulking around his room trying to hide from her because he's not getting any direction because this. Look at this movie. And he's just going like, like that. He's acting like a little goblin. And I'm just like, what the fuck is that? I saw this scene and I'm like, this little kid is clear to the elf. Yeah. Like, there's- <laughs> I was reminded of that. What was the thing? I think it was the one that like uh, Josh posted. It was like. Uh, Ask me anything. I like to pretend I'm a little goblin to calm myself down. <laughs> like, he skulks around his apartment, and he'll be Making like, and he'll be like, and, he, and just said, "I'll be having that." And he puts it. And he carries it around in a little sack and everything. Anyway, I assume that that's what this kid is. He grew up to be that little goblin guy. Just for that one scene, where he's like this the entire time. Anyway, the girl's like, "Hey, you little pervert! You saw me naked in the shower." And the kid's like, yeah, I like looking at naked girls. I'm just like, oh boy, one of these movies. One of the ones where they tell a kid, hey kid, you can say whatever you like. And the kid's having a lot of fun saying the lines. And she's just like, uh, you can't do that or something like that. He's like, yeah, and I'm going to tell all the boys, I'm going to tell all the kids at school that you have big fucking tits. And I'm like, how do you see that playing out in your mind? Yeah, they, I, mean, I don't feel comfortable watching Yeah, <laughs> like, first of all, she's going to get a lot more popular, one way or another. The other thing is, all the kids are going to say, you looked at your sister's sis. No, 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 no. No, how that would go is all of the older kids would look at that dude and go, yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you just got like that King of the Hill thing, where, like, Joseph is constantly bugging Bobby to see Luann. Uh, <laughs> good episode. Uh, so... The movie, which went straight to VHS, uh, as we can tell visually. Really? When you hit play and you couldn't see anyone in frame? That wasn't It somehow gets even worse here, because we see the elves' point of view. Now, I just want to say something here, guys. I went to the New View Eye Center, which you can see on this wine glass that they gave me, complimentary. Choppa choppa. And I got LASIK eye surgery. how Rainforest Cafe works. It's different. It's, I got LASIK eye surgery. And I can see clearly now. Until I watch this movie. Now I'm thinking about asking for a refund. Because I couldn't see anything that was going on. Especially in the POV shots. Because they decided it's just like, well the movie doesn't look bad enough. Let's send it into Blurrovision. I might have fucked up your LASIK because your eyes kept trying to focus on it. Can you imagine if this is like the first movie I tried to watch after getting out of the uh, doctor's office? I would just march right back in there and be like, no, do it again. Something went wrong. Dude, all I could think about during the scene was the POV shot in Snakes of the Plane of the snakes on the plane. <laughs> oh, those snakes. Yes. Uh, I was going to say... 
<laughs> well, uh, I want you guys to get confused with you know the other snakes. Though. Right? Yeah. Was, you, know. <laughs> you know, when we get into the sequels, there's a lot of lore. Yeah. So. <laughs> so the snake using the the fucking katana on the 18th. <laughs> I know there's. A, I, <laughs> you I already know. You didn't realize that I slithered to the left side. <laughs> <laughs> Snakes off the plane. Does he give him now. a cobra stare when he says that? Jeez. So anyway, uh, future episode. I'm happy about that. So yeah, we we cut to the next scene. Uh, one of the girls works at a mall, and her other friends just hang out and harass her. I guess. And uh, there's a Santa Claus because it's a Christmas season. I have to make something clear. This is not the real Santa Claus. This is a guy dressing up as Santa Claus. He's got like a, a fake beard, yeah, and yeah. he's got like a black boots, a red outfit. Not the real Santa Claus, just one of his helpers, like in Rare Exports. Anyway, this guy's like a real jerk. Like one of the girls sits on his lap, and she's like sixteen years old. So, what's going on here? And she's and he's like, "What do you want for Christmas, little girl?" And she says, uh, "Can you make it snow?" And then he whispers in her ear, "Oral," and I'm just like, "What the." F- what am I watching? <laughs> you picked it, buddy. Yeah, I'm not proud of it. Uh, anyway, like, he gets... That's the creepiest yeah. way to ask for it. Well, there's, no, really, there's really no good oral. way... There's really no good way to ask for it, but wearing that outfit... Again, not the real Santa Claus. Because the real Santa Claus wouldn't do something Perfect. like that. Anyway, he gets fired uh, He'd for, at least threaten you with coal first. Well, you know. That's just I'm part just of the saying, song. You know, it's anyway. gotta be a playbook, right? It's a real Frank Reynolds way to ask you. How many tight ends does Santa Claus use? <laughs> I dropped my magnum sack for my monster presence. I'm <laughs> not happy about how hard that made me laugh. Uh, anyway, I'm not either. Anyway, the fake Santa, who's not real, gets fired for whispering oral into a teenage girl's ear. And, I think uh, he got fired for sticking his hand up her pants. But also that, but, uh, I'm sure you know, I think they were tied or. together. They were probably tied together. So as the Santa gropes his teenage yeah. girl, I can't help but wonder, where are the elves at, yes. guys? What are we doing here? Well, the, what are we doing? The elves are just you know, always, wouldn't let this happen. Like constantly in the background. They're just, by the way, very, very gross puppetry going around here. Every once in a while, you'll see a head come up and be like, uh, it's just kind of looking around and you're like, oh, a little reminder. We cut back to the house where there are no elves. And the mother takes the cat. There is a cat in this house, and I guess she doesn't like it. You missed the... the we skipped over the elf scene. The one scene we've actually seen elves so far. Uh, what was that? When the elf oh, right, comes right, right, right. to uh, yeah. fuck with Ninja Turtle's window. Oh, right, and, uh, yeah. So the yeah. elf gets into the uh, the room and uh, of her little brother, right? With the Ninja Turtles thing. And yeah. jumps on his bed and is face-to-face with him and does this. <laughs> I'm gonna eat you. <laughs> so the kid is understandably upset about it. Anyway, there's a cat in there, and the mom's like, oh, the cat must have done this somehow. <laughs> and uh, he left three giant claw marks like the fucking werewolf got to him. So the, the mom decides, okay, I'm gonna kill this fucking cat. Parker, I hope you didn't watch this with your girlfriend because you kidnaps a cat in a pillowcase. No, I didn't. It drowns yeah, a cat uh, in a toilet. Now that you have this context, uh, the scene of Santa Claus groping the teenager and asking for oral is interspersed with the mom drowning the cat in the fucking toilet. Yeah. We're 20 minutes into this movie. Yeah. This movie is like, oh, you think, oh, this is going to be really funny, right? Because, like, the Nazi elf sort of thing, which, again, we're going to get to that. Uh, turns out, no. 
Uh, it turns and out it just gets wild- really dark and disturbing, really. The wildest thing is, like, if you want to protect, like, your kid from animals, go out and kill a dog. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the vampire dog. <laughs> oh, kill that Dude, dog, please. When Chris was telling <laughs> the King of the Hill story, all I could think about is, uh... <laughs> A fucking ladybird. <laughs> <It's> a vampire. <laughs> oh no no no! Ladybird's not racist. She just hates other vampires. <laughs> <sighs> well, well. So, anyways, as Santa gets fired, he just starts doing hot rails. Yeah, in the he back just room, starts doing the Santa. Yeah, he starts doing coke in the bathroom again. Not the uh, real Santa. This is fake Santa Claus. I uh, I just want to say that like. Before I watched this movie, I never thought about how fun it would be to do coke in a Santa outfit, but a uh, bucket list, you know. If I make it another 35 years and I'm a mall Santa somewhere, you know, with 100 extra pounds packed on, 100%. That's pa- happening. Yeah, Parker, uh, did did that kid do uh, Rails of Coke in Silent Night, Deadly Night when dressed as Santa? Because I feel like he did. You know what, I'm going to have to consult the lore later on. Tonight. guess we're going to have to rewatch it. Um, anyway... Well, uh, th- uh, that not the real Santa Claus then gets stabbed in the crotch by an elf. This is the point where we realize, like, huh, this elf puppets, it's just an upper torso, huh? It's all one piece. Yeah. There's no flexibility here. It's just a chest, neck, and head just flying around like a Muppet. Yeah, it uh, doesn't look good at all. And it's constantly soy-facing because the mouth doesn't close. Yeah. That is, yeah. So one of the other girls, I guess, discovers this uh, dead, not-real-Santa Claus by uh, ball torture. And uh, calls the police or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, Santa's canceled. And they have to hire who? My good friend, Dan Haggerty. With an H. And uh, he gets to be balsa. Because he's already got the beard. And apparently he was in, what was it called? Like, Grizzly or something? He was, he was Grizzly Adams. Grizzly Adams, in yeah. everything that had Grizzly Adams. Right, it. yeah. That's... Which, uh... The name Dan Haggerty means absolutely nothing to me. However, the name Grizzly Adams means more than nothing. There so once go. I found that out, I'm like, oh, that guy. Yeah, so it. there's your connection. This is why this movie was a thing. Um, he is uh, basically homeless now. He's uh, 90 days sober, and he does a job. Pause, pause, time out. Because I have a big problem with this scene. Okay, what is this scene? He gets an eviction notice at his trailer. Yes. Which has wheels. Yes. <laughs> Simply move the house and you're no longer evicted. It is not difficult, buddy. Maybe he doesn't have a or, car or something? He's an honest man now. Well, okay. he does have a, no, legs. he does have a car. He does have he's a car. He's built like Grizzly Adams. Push it, yeah, motherfucker. Let's go. Okay. Better movie. Well, also, like, uh, he goes into the cafe where the girl's working, and she's like, oh, my life is going terrible. He's like, well, my life's going bad. Don't feel so bad. And I'm like, that's not how empathy works. <laughs> yeah, but, like, when you're, like, service staff, and, and you make any illusion that something's going wrong in front of a customer, like, you have to expect they're just going to trauma dump on you. That's how it works. Yeah, that's a good point, like, yeah. Also, it's, like, as bad it, as his life is going, I kind of feel like her life's going like a little bit worse there's like a killer elf and there's like her cat get drowned by her mother and we're gonna find out worse things are going on in her family so uh i don't know that's great lady uh where's my coffee yeah (laughs) anyway he gets hired as the new fake santa claus again dan haggerty is not really santa claus 
So uh, he, at one point, he's in the back room and he sees the, the where the body was laying and he discovers a scratch in the floor that kind of looks like a half-assed hammer and sickle. Uh, but definitely not a hammer and sickle. In fact, the other side of that conflict, we'll get to that. Uh, but he's I, talking <laughs> to himself. And he says the line that stuck with me. And before you get to that, Alex, I want to mention this line here. He says, no, 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 I can't do this anymore. I'm not security. I'm not a store detective anymore. And I just like to harp on the phrase store detective. What is a store... Parker, does Target have a store detective? <laughs> they actually do, yes. Yeah, they wear blue a, shirts. That's a thing. That's, that's really a annoying. real thing? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, don't if, worry. If you, don't uh, make sure you don't steal baby formula. Yeah, yeah, buddy, yeah, that'll you, show you. If you're ever in a Target and like you're walking around and you hear the sound that sounds like when I get too close to the microphone because I've been drinking too much and breathe into it, mm-hmm. that means that they're, they're following you. Oh. That's... Uh, that's that's like their cue, I, like, because I guess that's supposed to be an, an innocuous sound. Buddy, I could tell you so much about stealing from Target, yeah, but uh, it's uh, for another podcast. Yeah, people um, people walk uh, away from me in Target, so it's, uh, the uh, yeah, it's it's because they know that I respect women more than them, and they're threatened by my aura. Yes, I know, I get it yeah, totally. Yeah, um, the line that he says at some point between the diner scene and finding the body—that's the equivalent of like, "Life sucks, you're Santa, then you die." <laughs> Yeah, I think he said something like that. It was just like, yeah. (laughs) Life's a bitch. First you're Santa, then you die. That's the one. As he's wiping baby piss off of Santa's Oh, I forgot about that. And it cuts to the chalk outline of the dead Santa. (laughs) 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 Also, uh, why do they make him wear a fake beard when he already looks like Santa? I couldn't possibly tell you. Which is like, all the kids would be like, oh, I'm going to pull down your beard. You know, you're not really. You could do that to Grizzly Adams and he'll just eat you. Uh, we cut back to our <laughs> intrepid heroes, the uh, Sisters of Anti-Christmas, which I can't imagine. There's one know. scene good. where the main girl gets home, gets home from wherever she's at, and the mom is, like, standing in the foreground, snipping the bonsai tree, looking dead ahead, like, into the camera. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, mom, I'm home. She goes, you look terrible, without ever turning <laughs> around to look at her. <laughs> It's so funny. I think wait, I think this is I think this is the same scene where uh she's like, You look terrible. How was work? And uh the daughter is just like, uh well, Santa got murdered and mom's like, I don't think that's funny. And the daughter just doesn't even try. She's just like, Do you know where my cat is? (laughs) And the mom's just like (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) The mom is really going for it. Yeah. Mom as it turns out, she's got her reasons. But uh She's really yeah. given a performance. Anyway, we meet up with the Sisters of Anti-Christmas, who I can't imagine all agreed on that terminology for their group name. Uh, and uh, one of the girls is organizing donuts on a plate, I don't know. And she's like, oh, I, I don't know, blah, 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 blah. I wasn't listening. Women are talking. This gives me more time for my poetry. And the girl's like, oh, poetry. And the one girl says, life is long and life is hard. Mike's is thick and Dave's is a yard. So... <laughs> Again, <laughs> I kind of feel like this is written for like teenage boys to say, and not women. Um, anyway, the, I think the girls at this point hatch a plan to uh, lure three teenage boys into a uh, shopping mall to do them. 
And uh, yeah, this is how you get chopping mauled, ladies right, and gents. Yeah. Don't do yeah, this. Exactly. Yeah, there's 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 like a five minute stress where you're like, oh fuck, this is about to get good. Yeah, and then, right. Uh, yeah. The rest of the movie happens. But meanwhile, Detective Dan Haggerty is uh, is on the scene and he finds the half ass hammer and sickle and goes to the local library because you know Dan Haggerty is a big fan of libraries. <laughs> All right, I, I I have to pause you right here just to do this right now once to get it out of my system. Mm-hmm. I'm Detective Dan. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Hello, librarian. When I was in college, there was a book on the occult. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I know exactly the one you're talking about. You were the last one to check Librarians it out. do be like that, though. I'm sure they do. I mean, you have to go to college to be a librarian, I think. You have to, like, major in librarian studies, which, uh, at that point, like, can you imagine, like, knowing that you've given up at the age of 18? Like, this is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Dude, I, I talked to a dude. I, I talked to a dude that worked in the uh, the law library at UPenn uh, mm-hmm. when I had a buddy that was up there for a uh, like uh, a law school interview, mm-hmm. and he was just like, "Yeah, you know, I graduated law school thinking I was going to do great things with my life, and I'm the librarian at UPenn, <laughs> and it's just stuck with me all these years." Jeez. Like, shout out to that guy. <laughs> Hope he's doing well. <laughs> Get him on the pod. Uh, um, imagine going to school for a decade and be like, "Congrats, you can now give books to the real lawyers." <laughs> Well, you have learned the Dewey Decimal System. Maybe eat shit. Maybe you know, as a librarian, he knows where all the knowledge is kept. So he's technically the smartest lawyer in the world. <clears throat> oh well. So uh, the girls set up their sexual liaison in the sporting goods department uh, with tents, and uh, I would—I have to admit—I I, kind of go the chopping mall route. I the chopping mall route. I would look for the beds. <laughs> Chris, you ever fucked in a tent? No. Yeah, I mean, same, I'm a virgin, but, uh, yeah. Oh, well. Dude, you better look out. <laughs> the elf's gonna be on Christmas yeah. Eve. I, I don't have any particular desire to, either. I, the tent moving is, like, a feature, not a bug. Just, Dis- is what I would oh, say, it's seasick! Disgusting. Okay, so, now the girls have come up with a new name for themselves. They're not gonna call themselves the Sisters of Anti-Christmas anymore. They're instead gonna be known as Masters Without Slaves. Oh. Well, uh, <laughs> like the NBA governors. <laughs> we'll say Masters Without Slaves kind of sounds like a, <clears throat> that sounds like one of those movies that Wes Craven was working on before he died. Um, <clears throat> we have to bring him back. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, fast forward a bit here, one of the elves gets in and uh, the three teenage boys get killed by three, at this point, vague German bad guys who, I don't know what they're saying. I think they said something about, like, the destiny is in motion. Events are in place that cannot be changed ever. And they go in there. This leads to a shootout between these three guys, three teenage girls, <laughs> a killer elf, and Dan Haggerty. Uh, Chris, you want to know what I called these guys as I was watching this movie? Please don't say Shizers. <laughs> Snap, crack, wood, pop. Okay, that's good. There we go. <laughs> a little some more. Oh, the pet boys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Snap is the Snap is the one that looked like the Yee guy. <laughs> Stop calling it. I'm gonna be a fan of the one that looked like Steve Austin back when he still had hair. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um. Hmm. 
So, uh, after this scene, in which Dan Haggerty and the girl both get fired, but continue on with the investigation. Dude, that one girl just gets executed in the fucking elevator. He just puts it right up to the temple. You're like, what's with these German guys? And he just shoots her in the head and leaves her corpse there. Yeah, okay, so... And you're like, okay, well... The mall manager comes in there the next day, and he's just... It's, the girl's just like, oh, my friends just got brutally murdered by what could be either an elf and or Nazis. And he's just like, you're fired! And uh, they have to vacate the premises. But Detective this, uh, Dan Haggerty is on the case. Go ahead. This guy has a real mare from Jaws Energy. Just, uh, tomorrow's Christmas Eve. We need people <laughs> to shop here. They're not going to shop it's here really when there's good. blood on the floor. And they're like, okay, we'll clean it up. You know? And it's like, you're fired. So, uh, the, he goes it's back to, I think Dan Haggerty goes back to the library at this point, And the librarian just straight up tells him, yeah, the Nazis believed in elves. Um, you're the history expert, tell me. So <laughs> He gives him a two-minute thing. He's like, yeah, but I don't know much about Nazis. But I know this one professor yeah. who knows a shitload about Nazis. <laughs> but, but before we, we get there... ambush him on Christmas before, No, no, no. Before we get there, which obviously we have to talk about. One line, which I wrote down verbatim here. I like to quote the librarian on Because he's just... They're doing like a walk and talk. He's got a book. He's like, you know, if, if you could ignore their killing, you could say the Nazis were just a bunch of crackpots. <laughs> you know that Hitler, he was that a is, dork. <laughs> That is completely accurate, for the record. I'll, I'll uh, keep that in mind. Before we get to the Dan Haggerty home invasion, uh, we do get the reveal. <laughs> we do get. Could you imagine you're making Christmas dinner with your kids at the table and Dan Haggerty should be like, Hey, talk to you about Nazis. Like, oh, fucking wait, wait, shit. we got it before I, we get there. I would be like rubbing my hands together. Like, like, buddy like of the week for this moment my whole life. Let's talk. Okay, but, but first there's... Uh, the scene in the movie I probably should have looked up before I chose this for an episode. It is uh, revealed why the mother hates her daughter so much. Because her father is also her grandfather. Uh, turns out he uh, raped his daughter in order to produce... I believe... Now, Parker, uh, Alex, I did have trouble understanding the German accent here. I think he said that he fucked his own daughter to produce a daughter so that she would be part of the master race. Correct. And apparently yeah. he didn't do a good enough job because he did it again because she has a brother. Yeah, so the brother is the thing that I didn't understand. Yeah. Because that's the part that like I completely missed in quote-unquote translation of whatever the fuck these people were yeah, saying. I, I and where it's like, okay, so for the elf plot, they need a virgin wait, of wait, wait. pure Aryan descent. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, I have to stop. No, 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 no. This is the Dan Haggerty scene. This is where we learn about it. No, I know that, but, like, what I'm saying is, like, yeah, well, we're talking about the fucking brother. It's like, they already have right, yeah. the girl. Why do they need another one? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't add up in the plot. Like, the whole thing is, like, we need the elf to fuck a virgin Aryan girl to start the master race. Mm -hmm. But, uh, they already, they already have one, and she still has a younger brother. Like, what, what, what the fuck are we doing? I was wondering if, like, maybe he did it so that... His maybe he did it to like to save his own daughter. Like the grandfather did is like ah now she's not a virgin anymore. It's kind of like the Cherry Falls thing, but with incest. Oh yeah, she's gotta keep that, that bloodline right. pure. Yeah. I don't. Fucking yeah, know. I don't. Well, you're the German here, Parker. I thought you would know. Anyway, uh, uh, I plead the fifth. Yeah, but I don't fuck. Oh, good point. Well, anyway. Dan Haggerty breaks into a professor's house while he's carving <laughs> roast turkey and demands that he explain the Nazi elf connection in front of his children. 
that <laughs> comes through the wall like Morpheus. <laughs> it happening immediately after the kid asking if it's roast beast. He says, like, no, it's not roast me. beast. It's roast turkey. Dan Haggerty from the chimney. <laughs> that should go on the soundboard. What am I doing? Man, that scene is so much funnier in context than it is out of context. Yeah. Like, I'm so excited for you guys. It's anyway. So good. Yeah. Anyway, like, so the professor, who I believe is still carving the turkey, roast turkey, as he's saying all this, he says, uh, the elves had the haploid gene and they had to mate with a virgin on Christmas Eve in order to produce the master race. And Agnes just asks more questions like elves and Nazis. Yes, elves and he's like, but and the, after explaining all this in great detail, he says, "But this won't ever happen because elves aren't real." And he looks away for a split second at the turkey as he's serving it, and Dag, Dan Haggerty's already down the stairs. <laughs> he leaves. It's like Batman he like, leaving the <laughs> <like> Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> You got one minute. Okay, so tell me what's going on. So uh, the Nazis have elves, and they're going to fuck a Nazi, and it's going to make the master race. Get out of here. Oh, he's gone. Uh, Okay, scene over. The cut to the children staring intently (laughs) as he explains the forced insemination by elf. (laughs) Just cinema, baby. Yeah, dude. It's fucking elf. It's so good, but also it begs so many questions. Like, again. First of all, why is there a younger brother? And second of all, how is this the only possible virgin descendant of the Aryan master race? There had to be more than like six of them, right? Like, what are we doing? Maybe this they would make like five other Germans. Exactly. <laughs> well, I guess these are the ones. Maybe in Argentina, this, there's other off movies. Yeah, but like, this came out in the 80s. Did they not like, celebrate Christmas there. They had oh, yeah, they don't 40 do it. years. They call it Navidad. Like, the fact that it has to be on Christmas Eve is it's good stuff. So that's if it makes a difference. Detective Dan Nottie Haggerty Nottie. is driving in his car away. I guess he didn't think to bring the trailer with him, and <laughs> I he just had to rewind <laughs> the scene. And he's fumbling around, and I guess he finds a bomb, like one of those old like TNT bombs that says like three, yeah. two, one, bang on it. And he he has to think quickly and jumps out of his car when the car instead explodes of throwing the instead bomb, of yes. throwing the bomb away. And I was like. <laughs> This guy's gonna stop the killer elves. Uh, so my favorite part of this scene is not him diving out of the car and the other car like driving into somebody's yard and exploding. <laughs> it's the car that spins into scene at the very end. Like, what the fuck are you doing in this yard? Yeah. How did you get here? <laughs> First of all, this movie called Elves has one elf. You can't even afford an elf puppet that's mouth closed. It's even afford to blow up a fucking car. Dude, this fucking joking? elf puppet looks like a South Park character smiling the whole movie. <laughs> oh, dude, we gotta fucking talk about that scene where the mom gets electrocuted in the tub. Okay, so, like, uh, the elf pushes the radio that's still plugged in into the tub to electrocute her. I don't know. I'm not a physicist. I'm an engineer. I'm not even good at that. And the elf, it's staring at her. As she's getting electrocuted, just convulsing it there, and the elf's face is just like. <laughs> the elf makes a face like Jimmy on South Park after he tells the punchline. <laughs> so. I gotta say, watching this. I can't ice. Thank you. The, I, as somebody who is going to turn 31 years old in less than 48 hours as we record. Oh, uh, oh sorry, buddy. I, yeah, I know. It's not great. However, you and Harry sure isn't. Watching this movie on YouTube and seeing titties <laughs> makes me feel like a fourteen-year-old getting away with saying, "Right, dude, fist pound." Like, like I, that's I, 
<laughs> I, I was not expecting titties in this PG-13 elf movie. However, they're there, and they are also Synthetic. in this movie on YouTube. And they are uh, pretty solid size. Uh, <laughs> solid would be another way to describe them. Uh Anyway, (laughs) like the whole time I'm watching this, I'm just sitting there giggling myself like we're watching on YouTube. They don't know this is here. Right. Yeah. Cheating the Internet companies, dude. Mm -hmm. How did elves get under the radar? (laughs) And then we get to the car explosion. Then we get to the end of Uh, this movie. Oh, what? Sorry. Oh, no. The car explosion has a second funnier part. Please tell me. Where the car explodes. The other car with the Nazi pulls up and he gets out to look like, huh, I guess we got him. And Dan Haggerty comes <laughs> flying in from off screen like Fox doing a fucking side B. He just punches his teeth out of his head. Uh, Josh, that's for you. Absolutely <laughs> dying. It's, it's Josh, it's not for you. There are like multiple people that take actual showers in this movie. Also, wait, I think that's that's also true because I'm pretty sure the original Super Smash Bros. Friend 64 did not have side Bs. That was introduced in Melee. Uh, cut him. that! I have sex. Yeah. So, uh, so as he's punching this Wait Nazi with a ponytail in the face, uh, he's Yeet. asking, "Is that elf yours?" <laughs> Real? Who does number two work for? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> is this like the, the 20th episode we've said who does number two work for on? Yes. Like, we should be keeping 20th track. or 220th, I don't know. Uh, it's evergreen, dude. Dude, this, this is a great works. line. You show that crap who's boss. Uh, Man, you know, it's kind of wild realizing that uh, Austin Powers for us is like Blazing Saddles for our parents. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, if. Look how far we've big come. Big emphasis on if, but like if slash when any of us procreate. Like. Those kids, when they turn 10, they're watching Austin Powers. Oh, That's yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, which is... Can they, like, quiz them? Can they quote it, you know? <laughs> so, uh... Why does he want a penis enlarger, Dad? Because <laughs> it's his bag, baby. <laughs> Go ask your mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you see, if you have a big penis, the stork can find his way to our house easier, and, uh... <laughs> Why are they saying it looks like a Woody? What does that mean, Dad? Listen. Dad, what does down bad mean? <laughs> Look on her face as my child gets sent home from school for saying a lot of vagina. <laughs> Absolute poggers move. Oh, Dad, is this Look. why you named my sister Fook you? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Fook me. That's why I named her that. <laughs> five years apart, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> One of them's a boy. I've been- <laughs> waiting on this joke for 25 years. We almost adopted. <laughs> you guys have any twins available? Alright, I'll see you next week. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so... Just walk up to the fire station knocking, Hello? Any baskets? <laughs> the killer punchline. Here. So, so the end of Elves, which is... Uh, Alex, this is the part of the movie you understood, I guess. Uh, oh, I do know okay. that... She has a Nazi stone. Um, okay, so I knew about the, the Nazi stone from earlier. But they uh, pull out the coloring book and they go, oh, I see her giant tits. If you draw some lines here, they're actually swastikas. I threw my hands up like, all right, let's let this movie end. I'm not taking any more notes. No, I, 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 felt, I felt more comfortable describing this end scene than the other ones. So, like, they have the battle with the Nazis at the house. The grandfather is, like, still around. 
and they still feel bad for him despite him being an evil Nazi rapist incestuous father figure. I yeah, don't know. The ends like, justify the means. Yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if the elf master race is going to come around and do two foot assassinations, then uh, you know, someone's got three it. feet tall. Chris, I know strikes. you were a big fan of ankle biters. That's yeah. like what they were going for here. Like, uh, but um. <laughs> We end up with a scene where the girl and her little brother, like, run out into the woods, and the elf follows them. And then the elf is, like, chasing after the girl, like, and when I say chasing, I mean, like, slowly crawling towards her. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, go get the gun from the house. You don't need to save me from this elf with no legs that I could just run from. So the the little kid comes back with the luger that he stole from Grandpa slash Dad. <sighs> The Luger. Uh, the, you want him to Luger. Of course. It is, It is in fact, a Luger. Uh, uh, she shoots the elf in the head, credits roll, and during the entire credit scene, there's just a fetus at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> yeah. Which is one of the funniest credit sequences I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, so I guess the movie's trying to say that the elf was successful in courting uh, her? Well, so apparently when the kid went away, the girl's like, alright, elf, you can fuck me. And then comes back and murders him anyway. I... And then the master race is born. Yeah. So, uh, also the, the force to all is, the winners. Yeah, the force is destroyed. I don't know how that happened. So, so uh, I, I'm just saying, this movie came out in 1989. You know, you figure that fetus had to like gesticulate for like nine months. So uh, he's a 90 baby like me. So, oh, it's <laughs> you know. I'm oh, saying. good. Yeah. The master race knows when all the best cartoons were made. <laughs> of course, I'd be really worried if you could. Yeah. Well, Underrated part of this movie is uh, when she's in the woods being attacked by one of the Nazis. And he's like, oh, "I'm not gonna hurt you," Asha. and you hear a gunshot go off. And it does the dramatic reveal of the elf holding the gun. <laughs> I, Rich Evans laughed so hard. <laughs> that little puppet's going, yeah, holding up a little pistol. I didn't take notes in this movie, but if I did, my notes here would say, mm, what you say? Oh, there we go. All right, on that cheery note, can we please get on to the game of games? <laughs> Three thirty in the fucking. <laughs> oh, your favorite, buddy. It goes um, so well for me. So look, I'm just gonna say this out in front. There's gonna be no Chris Berman segment this week because you could not pay me to watch Saints Dolphins, right? And fair. therefore, I do not know how many dice to roll, and I'm not gonna make it up because that would be unfair to everyone involved. Thank you. Now. Now, 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 <laughs> now! Um, <laughs> all right. So, as everyone who listens to this podcast religiously will remember, last week we eliminated a lot of teams from the game of games because uh, it was just time to uh, call the herd. Uh, so this week our records are: uh, my teams are four and four. No thanks to the fucking Chargers managing to lose to the Texans. Uh, Chris's teams are three and five. Big wins for his Titans, his Raiders, and his Packers. Uh, big losses by Panthers, Browns, Jaguars, yeah. Steelers, and Saints. Yeah, that's, that's not great. And Good Parker, teams. congratulations! Your teams went five and three this week. Cool. With a uh, a big win from your Bengals and from your Dolphins, so you get to Hell assign yeah, Chris a movie this week. <clears throat> great. Chris, my friend, I'll be nice this week. 
We're in the spirit of the Matrix. We're having a wonderful time. So I want you to watch the Wachowskis' first movie, Bound. Oh. That basically got them that. Bond. I have and heard also, of that. Fantastic, fantastic Joey Pants performance. Oh hell yeah! So he's just recurring. We all love to yeah. see. Yes. Thank you. I watched it the day before uh, my house exploded, <laughs> but uh, it was pretty solid. I would like to talk about it. Sorry, I'm right, just thinking about uh, Lawrence Fishburne uh, blasting through uh, that chimney like this. <laughs> Every time. He came through my fucking pipe and ruined my house. Okay, uh, so Parker, you can swap one of your teams for one of Chris's teams. Oh, boy. Giants and Packers. All right, let's go ahead okay. and just fortunately flop that. Well, who else am I going to take? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I get it. Um, you can also switch, flip one of your teams for one of my teams. Ooh, football team and... Colt. The Patriots, who, by the way, no one's talking about how good That's, they are right that now. That is true. Yeah, I'm just going to be like that. Well, for good reason, they're not. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go ahead and pass this football team right on to Chris. <laughs> For, uh, My life just gets better. Yeah, it does. For Chris's Browns, I'm gonna be nice. I'm gonna take the Browns from you. I I will be the Faker Gayfield guy. And uh, also, now that we did that, uh, each person put two teams into the pot for the the uh, the Wheel of Destiny here. Oh, we don't have lines anymore, so I don't know. Uh, it tell does you, make it hard. Yeah. Tell you what. Speaking of making things hard, I'm going to put in the football team. And, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Tough choice. And I'm going to put in the Giants. Keeping Trevor Lawrence, I see. You're a believer. Parker, <laughs> throw two in there. Uh, Dolphins? Okay. I don't want to lose my Bengals after how far they've climbed up the oh, road. Right, yeah. Actually, you know, I think the players... They'll, they'll do something embarrassing. Yeah. Fuck it. I was going to say, that it feels like the play here would have been the Patriots. <laughs> so, I'm sending I'm here for the memes. my Bears <laughs> and uh, my Chargers. Wait, no, no, no. My Ravens, who I'm very done with. And uh, Chris, pick one each from, from my team and Parker's team to send in. Okay, I want to send in, not the Bengals, I like them at the top where they belong. Uh, let's send in the Cardinals, because I don't know what to think about that team. Yeah, they're dog shit. And, uh, let's send in the Buccaneers, because they're too good for Alex. That, that is true. Uh, Parker, pick one of Chris's teams to send into the wheel. Um, boy, let's throw those Jags in there. Let's just throw them in the blender. Alright, throw them in the blender. Anyway, Chris ended up with the Cardinals, the football team, and the Bears. Parker ended up with the Jaguars, the Dolphins, and the Ravens, and I got the Giants, the Buccaneers, and the Bills. Don't ask me how that worked out, but, um... Don't love that. Uh, we have some Dragon Balls that are in play, <laughs> if anyone would like to make an assignment this week. I would! Okay, what you got, buddy? Alex, have you seen Twin Peaks? I've seen, like, the first six episodes of the first season. Oh, so... I think. I'm pretty sure that's the first season. Uh... Did you... I know the first season's like twenty episodes, dude. It is not. Uh, it's yeah, well. it's 
it's either six or it's like eight. The second season is like twenty episodes. I was under the impression there was a lot more to go. No, the the but. first season is really short. That's kind of why I like the first season. Up until recently, I considered Twin Peaks season one to be the best season of any show I'd ever watched, and it was overtaken by okay. season five of uh, Samurai Jack. Uh, but if you've already seen it, then I'm not going to assign you the second season, although, because uh, that's kind of a lot of episodes for a, like a 45 minute per episode show. Yeah, and, um, and more importantly, like, I didn't like the first season. Yeah, if you didn't, if you didn't like I, Twin Peaks, then uh, I will assign you something else. I will instead assign yeah, you season ahead. one of Gravity Falls. Okay. Gravity Falls season one, down to five Gravity Falls, got it, okay. Uh, Parker, you got anything? No. All right. I had something in mind, but I didn't find yeah. it. I think we I think we all have like an assignment too, like a free assignment. I don't really I don't have any ideas for it. I don't remember I don't, who has what because that was I wrote down I have one assignment uh remaining, but right. I, I don't well, remember then, what yeah, I'm gonna use it for. Use it. Yeah, when you're ready for it, use yeah. it. I know yeah. I use mine because I have yeah. to be my list. Right, but, yeah. Um I don't know, I'll just sit on mine. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I uh I would also like to use seven Dragon Balls this week. And my seven Dragon Balls are going to go to something that's only going to be, like, uh, three hours total of content combined between all of us. Because I'm going to use my seven Dragon Balls to make next week's episode Stewie Griffin, The Untold Story. Parker, now's the time if you want to use some of your Dragon Balls to counterspell that. No, 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 no. God. The people are asking for this. No, they're not. (laughs) Many people are saying. God, I hope ATT can't get out here this week. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you got something to do without me. Is this even on Stoico's Stewie Griffin? Uh, I'm sure it's somewhere. I am positive that somebody on ETI has uploaded the family. It's movie. not, so let me check on YouTube. <laughs> Based Don't on worry, I think it was split up into episodes. You're fine, yeah, buddy. Probably. You can't escape Stewie it. Stewie Griffin. But yeah, you have to watch The Untold Story. There's probably some good... Interman's oh, don't just search YouTube for Stewie Griffin. <laughs> Untold story, full movie, here we go. No, it's not on there. What the fuck? <laughs> not available for streaming, you say. It, where, where is it available for streaming? It's, it's a, keeps, we'll, you know what? I we'll, can stream it to you guys through Discord if you want. No. Oh, thank uh, you. Appointment viewing. It's, that's not how it's pronounced. Okay, well, join us next week. <laughs> now that I've... Oh, it's actually... The Untold Story is actually already on uh, uh, Torrent, so I'll just download it like that. Join us next week for this piece of shit. <laughs> and that's the tea, sis.